Welcome to the Save Room, your safe haven for gaming news and discussion. My name is Kevin. And my name is Daniel. And this is episode 70 and 1. Ooh, nails it there. And then 7? You did a like, cool little hand trick there. I know, we need to film this, which we will. We talked about doing a special extravaganza for our three-year anniversary live on twitch.tv.com.net. Not slash the save room it'll probably be slash the red herb and then i'll host it so we'll make it a whole thing (laughs) it's your save room boys uh, as sponsored by the save room industries yeah three years that's crazy that came up real real fast real fucking hot and heavy we have like 90 something episodes under our belt uh could you imagine if we did it every week it would be like a ridiculous sort. I'm sure there's a way to actually do the math on that. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many weeks are in three years. If there's 52 weeks, 52. Times three. Yeah. Give it, give, give it to me. Hang on. We'd be south of 200. Just south. It's probably somewhere under 500. Okay. <laughs> Any somewhere <laughs> under 500. Yeah. No, we were we were talking about it on one of your last yeah. streams that you did, and we're like, let's just do a live episode for episode 72 or whatever. That was your idea. I have, I have good ideas sometimes. Yeah, it was a good idea. But we're like, we can maybe talk some news, just have some banter, play some video games. No, f- fuck any of that, man. What? We're gonna have, we're gonna bring back like the greatest hits. Okay. Every everyone's favorite. Uh, what do you call them? Programmables. Uh, the to- not, not topics. Uh, segments. Segments. <laughs> there we go. Everybody's favorite segments. Everyone's favorite game segments. pitch back we're gonna we're gonna make some games for you with our mouths hot take takedown oh that was a favorite one right there oh goodness and uh, a new one into the topic verse okay (laughs) you have like two minutes to fucking create a topic and answer a topic (laughs) i need to come up with another stupid game for you do you remember like kingdom hearts character or ancient greek philosopher (laughs) (laughs) that was one of my favorites i need another game like that absolutely listen everyone's knocking us down on on all of our community channels Mm -hmm. going like we need to know what you're doing we're here to support you Mm -hmm. and we're here to give you millions of dollars if not thousands or at least that's less bits and cheer or bits and cheer. Yeah. What's the conversion rate of bits to dollars? I'm I'm not sure. We need to we need to get that uh, gamer math calculator out and yeah. see what. Uh, oh, oh, I got to program the zenny. Okay, I think it's about four million zenny. Okay, but like I'm not sure which age the zodiac age zenny. Fuck, I'll never f- <laughs> can't confirm right now. God, okay, yeah, we'll get back to the numbers. We'll crunch some numbers later, but it's gonna be good. We're probably gonna do it. What? Not this weekend. Next weekend. Next weekend. Because this weekend's packed, so we're going to be live and alive in Seattle. That's meeting right. people, meeting some roommates, hanging out with some friends. Out and about. Seeing getting some panels. Get some, some, some sun on this skin. It's going to rain probably, but, yeah, like probably. every fucking day in But Seattle. yeah, next weekend, three to five hours, I feel like we could do. Just bullshit, have fun, maybe order a pizza. We can order like random mystery pizzas like i'll order one for you that you have to eat and then you order one for me hey i have a really cool idea to follow up on that sure. let's not do that okay let's not do that at all <laughs> let's not do mystery pizza. can't do a mystery pizza okay. man can't okay. i can't open that up and just be like what is this this guava m&m's mix <laughs> that you got is this cheese no actually it's just like melted paper like wax paper <laughs> listen i wouldn't do your butthole disjustice like i would uh i would make sure it was suited to your your stomach buddy i dishonor my butthole on the daily okay I've been taking the lactate pills, and Mm -hmm. let me tell you, let me tell you, they're like 5% effective. Mm -hmm. It houses the problems, but after a while, man, it's like, there's... (laughs) There's only so much medicine can do for your body. (laughs) Yeah, there was only so much concrete that could stop the flood that eventually Christian Slater and Morgan Freeman had to take on. In the film, Hard Rain. Yeah! I wasn't sure where you were going with that. I mean... That's our third reference to Hard Rain on this podcast. Your butthole's gonna be a rain of fire afterwards. Oh, it's a great movie. 
yeah. That's a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a lot of episode, actually, for we, some fucking yeah, we reason. Yeah, somewhat of an episode. I, so we're recording on a Tuesday, not our usual thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we have weird, like, middle-of-the-week energy. Yeah, you've been working on the weekends, and... Oh, you know, we... De- every day. Every day. Yeah. We delayed the episode because you wanted to talk, finally, mm-hmm. about Days Gone. Yes. Which I beat. Not only beat, platinum, but we- not before... Daniel popped that. It's flag. true. Within the same week. Now I think I beat it, I beat it last week, and then I platinumed it over the weekend, and then you beat it and on it. Saturday, and then you platinumed <laughs> it on Sunday, as you do because you're a fucking monster. <laughs> We're gonna talk about that more at the end of the episode. This is kind of a crazy phenomenon. Yeah. I'm gonna call it the Days Gone effect, where like yeah. this was a game in February that you couldn't even sell us on. No. And then by the end of August, we we're like, we love this game. Right. And it, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. We will talk about it. But this is a phenomenon that a lot of open world games have, which mm-hmm. is weak start, strong finish. Mm-hmm. That's strange. That's a strange fucking mm-hmm. thing to me. But I, I felt that about Red Dead. I felt that about Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. But the I reason- guess like these 80 hour games have the room to be slow burns, but it's just like, yeah. As somebody who plays a lot of games, and I'm sure like games media types feel this too, where it's like, it shouldn't take 30 hours for a game to get good. It really, sh- it shouldn't take 10 hours for a yeah. game to click. Like that is, that is poison to a person's time. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm different because like when I was 15, that sounds awesome. Yeah. At 29 going on 63, who are we kidding? I will die at 54. Mm-hmm. I don't have that kind of patience anymore, you know? Like, unless a game just, like, hooks you from minute one and I'm like, I can do this, Mm -hmm. this repeatable task for a hundred more hours. Yeah. Like, you can't do that to me. Which is crazy. You can't do that. Because Days Gone didn't hook you like that, but it did me. It did, which is strange. And I would always walk in and be, and feel that FOMO. I was like, what's my boy experiencing that I, I can't feel in me? Is there like a blockage in me? Mm-hmm. And I looked in the mirror and I was like, ah, that's depression, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but I had to clear out my obligations, mm-hmm. gaming obligations. That was one of them. Because the next few weeks, buddy, are going to be a fucking whirlwind ride. New Game Central. New Game Central. I got not one. I got two new games coming out that I definitely have already bought. Mm-hmm. Okay. Control. Control, which is in the mail mm-hmm. right now. Came I'm, out today. I'm staving it off because I need. I'm doing a public service by mm-hmm. uh, committing to this podcast and committing to your beard and just looking at Thank it. You. Watch you drink a beer. I trimmed up the mustache line a little bit. You know? Did you really? I did. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm. Gotcha. You can't notice a difference. A lot of pussies out there in the world that appreciate that. I'm sure they do. No more <laughs> loose hairs falling down there. And, and Astral Chain. Astral Chain. Mm-hmm. Both games that are apparently phenomenal in mm-hmm. their own right. Uh, a lot of people are being, uh, they're surprised by Control being so awesome. I'm mm-hmm. hearing very valid things. You know, you know me, I, I like my remedy. I do. I like, I love Max Payne. I love Max Payne too. Yeah. I love fucking Alan Wake. Quantum Break, you can't stop talking about it. Yo, dude, I, remedy is everything from Alan Wake to Quantum Break to Sam Lake. What oh, are you going to do? That was good. What are you going to do? I can't shake that rhyme scheme. I was thinking about that on the mm. drive to work. <laughs> and Astral Chain looks cool. You know I love Platinum. Yeah. Platinum's my jammy, you know? I've been hearing some interesting things about Control, um, and this kind of feeds into a mindset that I often have, uh, where the campaign's sitting around like 10 to 12 hours, and that's kind of exciting in a time where a lot of games pride themselves in being like 40 plus hour odysseys or endeavors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it's cool to have kind of a trimmed experience, more focused on like just beat-by-beat story missions and, like, gameplay. You know what I immediately thought of? Um, that this year is kind of, like, lacking? Focus campaign-based games mm. like Resident Evil 2. Mm. 
and then Control to kind of like follow up on that, that's cool. I won't say those games are few and far between, but more often than not, it's some fucking gigantic live service game mm-hmm. that's like taking up the mind share that we're talking about. True. And what's the what's the value play there? Because it's like there's so many titles like that coming out in the year we got shadow keep coming out in uh, mm. october we got delayed to october thank we god got borderlands 3 coming borderlands out borderlands like, 3 month. division 2 came out earlier uh anthem, anthem. exists Jinx. and <laughs> and, it, and it's like realistically i can only get so much enjoyment out of those games and like i think the intention devs had is like oh you're gonna ride through uh, this game the whole year and in reality that's like you operating in a bubble mm-hmm. you know like i'm a gamer's gamer I'm a gamer's gamer, gamer, gamer. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to play all these fucking games. Of course. And games that I can just like swallow in like a couple of sittings and be like, I enjoyed the shit out of that. Oh man, you got me. Mm-hmm. You got me. So controls up my alley. Yeah, that's the thing that I loved about Resident Evil 2 when we played it back in January. It was so crazy to beat a game like in two days, basically. I know you yeah. did it in like a night because that's just how you are for that that game and that series. It might but, have like, been that, yeah. It, it's been so long since I've been able to sit down with a game over like two separate sessions and be like, cool, I beat it. Like... That's awesome, and I'm excited for Control to, to give me that as well. I have to stay in my hand, though. I'm probably going to borrow it from you. Control? Um, yeah, because like 60 bucks is kind of a little steep for me right now to put on a game, especially if I'm going to get Borderlands 3. 60 bucks is steep for anybody. Yeah yeah, 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 for sure. No, I got you. And I think I might beat it pretty quickly, but I, I, I might get that platy before I set it sail okay. in, into your, your old PS4 over here. I hear it's a pretty manageable platinum. dusty boy. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a fucking Boeing, you know? Listen, dude, that just means it's processing harder. The mm. Blast Core processors are on fucking overclock of mode, course. bro. You know? Like, I need to see the details on my booze, man. <laughs> I need to see every head tattoo <laughs> in refined 4K, okay? If you don't understand that, I don't even know if you really, like, give me your gamer badge. Okay. Where is it? Where is it? Did it's you leave in the bathroom? It don't. It's don't in the fucking around. bathroom. You're never going to find it. It's in the bathroom, yeah, all right? It's in a safe. Next to the Game Informers. The huh? code Cherish might be somewhere. Game Informers. Those are going to be fucking treasures one day. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> little housekeeping for you. It's not really housekeeping. It's just letting you know who we are. Mm. We are the save room. And if you didn't know, we are the only podcast that has bowed out of the MCU. Mm. But Sony's bidding for our rights. It's true. It's true. We finally get to the save room versus Tom Hardman in in Venomverse. It's going to be great. Yeah, we're going to be in Venom too. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I love it. You can find us and Tom Hardy on SoundCloud.com slash The Save Room Show. Or if you got yourself Spotify, get on over there. Mm -hmm. Maybe iTunes, maybe Google Play, maybe even Stitcher. I forget about the rest. I think there's like three other services we're on. RSS feeds. Across the universe. CastBox. You got Stitcher. No, you I took us it. off of CastBox. Oh, you took us off of CastBox? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? I offended the CEO. Did you really? I did. What'd you do? I told him, why not visuals? <laughs> and he was like, get out of here, you dumb, you dumb live podcaster bitch. Get out of here. <laughs> what are you, because he's goddamn YouTuber. Okay, okay. For some reason, I just imagined like a curmudgeonly old guy, like he made his fortune on fucking duck kazoos <laughs> and decided to get into like a podcast. Yeah, he doesn't understand like podcast hosting or anything like that. I had to send him physical mail to, to give him that. Hey, man, it'd be really cool. If you guys... Oh, off wow. the rails, buddy. Yeah. You can also find us over at twitch.tv for those visuals. You can find Kevin over at mm. twitch.tv slash the red herb. Not her, bitches. Yeah. Herb. My dude's been at it on his normal Monday, Wednesday, Friday crunch, doing the good work. The kids would say, I am on that grind. Yeah. What are you what are you playing lately? 
The last thing that I streamed, unfortunately for me, was uh, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Listen, dude, mm. this is a Kevin Pape game through and through. Kevin A. Metroidvania, mm-hmm. fucking Egas coming back, the guy that brought us Castlevania Symphony of the Night. The title kind of sounds like Symphony of the Night. On paper, it's all perfect. If you squint and then kind of like put like Q-tips in yours, yeah. you're like, I'm hearing and seeing Castlevania, aren't I? Like it's legitimately... Is that <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like it almost feels exactly like a direct sequel to Symphony of the Night. Except mm. it also feels like a direct sequel made two or three years after <laughs> Symphony of the Night. So it feels kind of dated, like it a game feels... from like the late 90s. No, you know what would have <laughs> perfect? I was talking about this in the stream. This game would have made way more sense if it released during the heyday of the Xbox Live Summer of Arcade. Oh, okay. Like, it would have made sense in that fucking, like, 2008 to 2010 period when Braid and, mm-hmm. like, uh, Explosion Man were coming out. Sure. And if this baby slipped in, it'd be like, oh, perfect. This is great. This is a great great huge expansion to this concept of the game i think it's hard now where like you have the nintendo switch being this indie machine and then steam being what it is now where Mm -hmm. so many like indie games of that ilk come out like fucking hollow knight sundered death's gambit like all these hack and slash metroidvania type dealies that just kind of stole the thunder and what's the king of all metroidvanias in our hearts right now hollow knight is hollow right man there is no better metroidvania is hollow right (laughs) so that's the kind of thing that i was looking for out of ritual of the night where it's like advance this this genre that you helped spearhead Mm -hmm. and it doesn't quite feel like that and so it's kind of confusing where it's like didn't it take like fucking like six years to make this Mm -hmm. game like the crowdsource this game and it just doesn't feel like it it, it, it's very um uh, it's very weighty and Mm -hmm. it has all of the same problems as like 1997 symphony of the night that like i feel like other games that are a little more like sundered have that fast kind of um responsive action Mm -hmm. you're not really getting that out of this one so that's why i'm I'm not feeling it right now i i recognize it as a good game i don't think it's great okay so that that's where i'm at and i'm surprised by that i'm surprised by that assessment it's pretty crazy because like the art style is gorgeous like it what it's like that 2.5 d mix of art style like the background foreground work is really nice apparently there's like a large suite of weapons almost too many that you can get because it's not like you're just uh stuck with like a sword or anything right like you can kind of customize weapons and add like add-ons and build them up in all sorts of ways there's a lot of weapons in in bloodstained uh but they all do like one thing like one attack they just do one attack that was like rather than having like versatile weapons it is just a fucking cavalcade of different like, here's a whip here's a fucking short sword here's a shorter sword than a short sword here's a fucking uh, uh rapier here's a fucking um here's a broad rapier here's a halberd here's yeah. a fucking spear and it's like okay cool you uh, and they probably only do like a heavy and a light attack they do one attack <laughs> they don't do a heavy or a light okay. it's just one attack and you can either crouch or it, like it really is old school mm. but you get kind of tricked because it goes for that 2.5d art style so i'm just like oh what's the innovation here and it's like oh it's it's just kind of a really boilerplate metroidvania okay. like like ego was afraid of rocking that boat for mm. some reason i'm just like all right so i'm gonna put that that shit down right now i'll revisit it cool i will yeah I'm going to work on other games. I've just, I've heard such mixed reviews about it. So it's not surprising to hear you take to it like this. Especially mm. like somebody like Jared Petty, who is really, really stoked about it, was even kind of lukewarm about it. I'm kind of lukewarm yeah. about it. That's a good way of putting it. Where like I got through a good portion of the starting area mm-hmm. and I was like, I feel like I've seen it. Let me ask you something. What's up with the enemies? Like, why are there like a thousand enemies in that game just to be there? Like all sorts of demons and random variety of bullshittery. 
cat demons. And... I think so. The thing is, Castlevania had kind of a theme. It was like a branch. It almost seemed to branch out from the Universal Monster Universe. Yeah. Because in certain games, there's a Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Your main antagonist is Dracula. Yeah. So you, you know? have skeleton armies. You have ghouls. Right, and it Normal all stuff. makes sense. <laughs> And so when they can't do that anymore because it's not a Castlevania game, you have enemies like a giant cat that has fucking ram horns and swats at you and you got to kill it. And you feel really weird because you're just like, that was like a, just a giant cat. It wasn't even an evil cat. Like <laughs> just, it didn't look it just evil. Was, it was just in your way. It was just in my way. There is another one I didn't show you. It is like, <laughs> it's a fucking dog head on a chain, like a chomp chomp. But it's like it's not even like an intimidating dog. It's like it, it it's like one of those small furry dogs, like a Shih Tzu, basically. Okay. And it's just its head coming at you. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know if this is inspired or fucking just like, was this something that they did for the Kickstarter? We're like, what well, put your dog in the game mm. if you fucking <laughs> if, if you, you back us at a 500 level? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. But, so it's good, not great. Okay. I'm gonna give it that. That's all. Maybe I'll borrow it from you at some point, but it was never going to be a game that I buy. It was like $10 off, so I just ordered uh, it, and I was like, cool, let me play this. I wanted to play this, because I was kind of surprised it came out at 40 bucks. Like, with Metroidvanias, every, every Metroidvania is like, we're $20. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? 40 bucks. I mean, maybe it's just because it's from the fucking godfather of Metroidvanias, you know? Dog, dog. Yo, safe roommates, we're going to do you a big-ass favor right now. Mm-hmm. You got 40 bucks on you? Nah. Maybe you got 15 bucks. You know what's 15 bucks? Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight. On Switch, on PS4, on Steam, everywhere. Everywhere, dog. Maybe not on Xbox. It's on your Tesla. Maybe not on Xbox, but like, you know. Probably not. (laughs) I'm sorry, (laughs) X-Boys. It's okay. Daniel, they can find you streaming these days, and I caught you. I I, I caught you, buddy. I (laughs) caught you streaming today. Did you? At uh, twitch.tv slash Dungeons and Daniels. No, I didn't watch you. You didn't say hi? But I caught the Discord oh, okay. notification. The Discord was like an hour late because I started streaming at 3 and didn't pop until like 3.53. And I'm like, oh, okay. I guess Discord was asleep. It does that. Yeah. It's like a bot that responds. Sometimes it doesn't hear the the, the call to arms, I guess. That's you a know? bummer. Because I needed, I needed the Discord in that moment. I needed my posse and I needed my crew. I get it, dude. Yeah. I get it. I'm sorry. What'd you stream? You streamed uh, uh, Judgment, huh? Judgment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I... My, how the turntables... <laughs> yeah, right. It's this weird, like, switch <laughs> where, like, I was playing Days Gone pretty hard, and you were playing Judgment, and then I started playing Judgment, and you were playing Days uh-huh. Gone, finishing it up. Um, yeah, so I'm back on my once-a-week stream kick. Last week, I streamed Days Gone, but our internet was really, really shitty, so it ended up just becoming, like, a audio stream and, like, a just chatting session where I was just doing post-game stuff. And just chilling. And then after that, I was like, well, what am I going to stream next? I don't have any new games or whatever, whatever. And then when I popped in on one of your last streams, you're like, you should just play Judgment. And I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. I'll, I'll pick it up and I'll get into it. And over the weekend, I started it. And it's it's been fun so far. I'm about it's like seven so hours into it. Yeah. Disclosure. Full disclosure here. Go ahead. This is the first Ryogoku Studio game I've ever played. I've never played. I think I said that wrong. I don't know. I've never played Yakuza. I've never played any of those. <gasps> Ryuga Gotaku. There we go. So yeah, this is my kind of studio. onboarding point to that studio and that style of game. Yeah, yeah, no, and I I, I thought about that too, and mm. I feel like it might be for a lot of Westerners, because sure. it does something that uh, the Yakuza games, Yakuza, Yakuza games don't do, which is there's an English dub, mm. which is a 
honestly, I, I don't. I think we discount the fact that that's a here a huge barrier of entry for like a lot of people for some reason. Because mm. like you and me, we're subtitles, folks. You sure. know, we we have our subtitles on when we're watching your Nathan for you or mm-hmm. you know. Or Portlandia or whatever we're watching until one in the morning. Whatever we have on the background. Mm -hmm. And other people are like, I can't stand that shit. Or I can't, like, I need to go dub. I need to have the dub Mm -hmm. happen, you know? I'm like, I I, I, I get that. Here's my thing. If you can't fucking watch and read subtitles, you're weak. Natural selection is going to weed you out, okay? I have a fan I can't hear over. Sometimes I'm a loud chewer. It's true. I need subtitles. It's true. My dude's chewing on what have you, some buffalo chicken, Mm. and he's, you know, he can't can't hear. He can't hear. I get it. I don't even think it's that so much that is going to make it such an onboarding point for people. I think it's just because Kamarucho, the character in the setting of the city that has been kind of the staple of the entire franchise at this point, it's very self-contained and intimate in a different way, I think, in -hmm. terms of, like... Yakuza, like that's fucking twenty plus years of game right there. There's a history, of character arcs, all the stuff that continues from game to game to game. This but is gonna like, be super daunting trying to get into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is just like okay. There's a new character, uh, Yagami, uh, Takashi Yagami. He's a detective or a disgraced lawyer, rather. Um, you guys know the story. Kevin's told it before. Talk. Um, and it's about Talk. his story, and it's very self-contained in that. And I feel like there are some nods to like you know the franchise history obviously because it takes place in Kamarucha. Uh, I was streaming today and and um Chelsea's like oh that character Mama right there. Yeah, they're a character from the Yakuza games. They give you side quests and all that stuff. And I'm like, "Oh, that's cool." cool. But it doesn't seem like it's too like overt, you know. It's just like here's a character here or there and that's kind of it, you know. No, yeah, like uh, you know, spoiler, you're not going to have like Majima like show up in the middle mm-hmm. of the game and give you like a quest or some shit. Like no, it it does try to separate its identity from Yakuza while still also respecting like we're a part of that lineage. Mm-hmm. We're in that franchise basically but it's its own thing yeah. and apparently they're very surprised that it did so well in the west i was saying uh, about the english dub i think it's like a everything is like a compound sort of situation one it is a fresh start spin-off that doesn't require you to play yakuza whatsoever mm-hmm. and then it has this english dub so it doesn't require people to be like oh i'm reading the whole game yeah. you know for for the week like you pointed out <laughs> the week and here's another ingredient it's fucking phenomenal mm-hmm. i think it, it is one of my favorite games of this generation this generation, Daniel. That's crazy. Yeah, it's so good. I really like this fucking game. It's got a goofy humor and all that shit, mm-hmm. but um, you you were talking to me a little bit like something that's not sticking with you, and I think that's more about the uh, kind of nuances of <laughs> jumping into Yakuza well, games. Like, so what, what is when that I for watch you? you play Yakuza yeah. and I hear your stories, they're fun, they're, they're raucous, they're ridiculous, but like some of it seems like imbalanced against the tone of the story, you know? fucking yagami he was a lawyer he got off a fucking a murderer the murderer gets out he kills his girlfriend and it's really dark and it's about his story of redemption that's her on fire too yeah it's, it's fucking wild it's yeah. like some fucking mine hunter shit but then like <laughs> kind of yeah you're doing in, in the actual game like as a pi you're doing weird like tailing missions and like today like i was tracking down a panty thief i beat up a panty <laughs> thief on a roof I had to buy women's underwear to to lure him. First of all. And he picked it up with a drone. Like he's one of three sex offenders in Kamarucha. (laughs) <laughs> that you have to hunt down at a, at a certain point. And I get it. Way. Like, crime yeah. crime walks all different walks of it's life. Sure, you yeah, know? Sure crime does. isn't always sure just does. murder. Sometimes it's stealing panties from, you know, a, t- a twin sister. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, de- mm, there's a mm. lot of details but in that quest. I think it's just, like, 
some of it comes across in the combat too where it's like the combat is fun it's very arcadey mm-hmm. it's just kind of feels silly and imbalanced to be like i'm having these serious conversations where i'm trying to get off somebody who is you know being accused of being a serial killer but then i'm like fucking whacking people with street signs and elbow diving on people and doing like fucking crazy like swan dives and jumping off walls and it seems a little like imbalanced but i get that's like it's because of the dna of yakuza it's like what it's borrowed from yeah i i gotta say and i i I think you kind of mentioned after playing like 80 odd hours of days gone it's it's hard to like shift to this type Mm -hmm. of game but i'm gonna give you one piece of advice that got me through yakuza Mm -hmm. and eventually fucking just watered that seed into a love plant give yourself to it no i'm going to like i'm sitting down with it this is my third consecutive day playing with it i'll give myself to i'm gonna give myself to fucking yagami Kaido, 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 who fucks and wears Randy Pitchford shirts, Kaido, and he's just Kaido all up in your phone every other minute. Kaido fucks. I mean, he makes it look good. Not yeah. Really. <laughs> Listen, it's a fun game. It's got a lot of charm. the The city of Kamurocha is so well realized, and there's so much personality to it. And the missions are all like very interesting and different. But some of it's kind of slow for me. Like, I don't think the stealth missions and tailing missions are particularly fun. Okay, the tailing missions are the worst and the drone missions are just kind of like whatever those are odd yeah but those are like maybe like few and far between versus like the rest of the content Mm -hmm. of the game and i I get that there's a it's a dialogue heavy game you'll meet a quest giver and be like hey i'm gonna go through fucking like 20 screens of dialogue with you before i ever get to a mission and that's the hard thing that i'm kind of juggling with right now coming from a days gone bender where that game is so like action and like gameplay focused right and it, it gives you dialogue, like, obviously in very assaulting ways, like, 30 overlapping, like, things over your comm and people just talking at you. But, like, it lets you get to the gameplay, like, right away. Like, you're always in the open world taking down rippers or marauders or fucking freakers. Sure. In this game, it's just, like, you're not always fighting things. Like, a lot of time you're running around Kamarucho until a, a gang of thugs is just like, hey, yeah. we don't like you. You know, and then they yeah, try and, and jump you. That, that's been a series mainstay. So. And that's how you level yourself up. That's the grind right there. Yeah. I'm going to stick with it because it is cool and it's some it's parts of it good. are actually taking me by surprise. Like I didn't realize the combat was so detailed in terms of like leveling. Like I thought it was like, Oh, you just had a basic like combo set of skills. That you no, get. it but, gets like, crazy. You can upgrade like so many different tiers in terms of like finishers. Or, no, like, battle. I, I, so when it comes to Yakuza, I, I give it so much respect where on the offset, it does seem like very simple arcadey combat, but mm-hmm. when you actually start upgrading your shit, you feel demonstrable mm-hmm. difference in the gameplay. You realize like, oh, wow, I wasn't able to fucking toss two dudes into each other using a fucking like uh, one of the EXT moves or mm-hmm. wh- whatever they call it. What is it called? The like, EXP. EXP? Is yeah, it? or yeah. XP. They made it up. Sorry, Chelsea. <laughs> so Chelsea, Chelsea knows. King, but, the king of Yakuza. Yeah, no, it's... Yakuza. It's great. I just like parts of it feel uneven and parts of it feel slow to me. But I feel like I owe it to you, I owe it to Chelsea, I owe it to the Save Roommates for all the, the episodes that we sang Judge Eyes at them, for the way we hyped it up last summer. You gotta get through. I gotta get through. You gotta get through. And it's fine. Because I'm not playing anything else right now, and it, it does have my attention, so. And it's a shorter game than Days Gone. That's true. You'll spend less years of your life. Although if I try and platinum game. it, it'll probably be the same amount of time. That's a ridiculous plan. Yeah. Like, I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could fucking sit through legendary mode. Yeah. Take a picture of every cat and every mission and don't miss one. I did get that one. Actually. Oh yeah. I probably wouldn't do, uh, eat every meal, at every restaurant. <laughs> that shit's going to get tedious. Yeah. Really tedious, but I'm glad you're playing it. Mm-hmm. I want to hear more reports from the world of judgment. I miss it. I want to get back 
almost into it. I know you were like watching me play a little bit last night. And you're like, God, I miss this game so much. And like, also you were having a weird stream night last night where you weren't feeling anything. I wasn't feeling shit. So. Cause it, cause I got that new game fever, right? Yeah. Like control. I'm going to play like maybe an hour tonight of that shit. Astral chain comes out on Friday. Mm. I'm going to see all these fucking video game people and their video games at PAX this weekend. I can't be playing some fucking old-ass Metroidvanias. Yeah, and the fucking Borderlands 3 and Link's Awakening remake. or All this shit is happening. This, this it's too much. Fall it's too is much. crazy. It's too It's crazy. It's going to kill me. Yeah. I'm dying. I'm dying. My heart's slowing. But we need to get to this Let's fucking Let's pick up episode, that heart rate dog. for some news. We got some news for you, but we have some quick hits first. Quick hits of Resurrection. Um, speaking of another fucking game coming out in September, at the cusp of September is Final Fantasy VIII Remastered. It's coming out September 3rd, and it's only 20 bucks. Shockingly soon. We were talking about this before we recorded last time. We're like, we don't even know when it's coming out. We have like, no idea when it's coming out. We were worried that it was going to take over the mindshare of Luigi's Mansion. <laughs> we, I was very afraid for any games that dare release against Final Fantasy VIII. It obviously, like, if Call of Duty Modern Warfare released the same week mm-hmm. as Final Fantasy VIII, we would be like, I guess, yeah. I guess Infinity Ward's closed. Yeah, Activision <laughs> would have to shutter Infinity Ward. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, you guys are done. Final Fantasy VIII, the best Final Fantasy ever made, is coming out. Like, like, did anyone get a memo? Like, do you guys not plan around Final Fantasy? <laughs> are you are you ready for like a new generation of people to be on board with this game, or or hear the criticisms people might have for it? So my greatest hope um, is that people finally wake up as if the veil <laughs> is being lifted from mm-hmm. the land of Yarnum. That is a reference to Bloodborne, and not Final Fantasy, but it is still the same same intent. Sure. <laughs> and they realize, oh shit, our standing for seven was for naught. Because the truth are the seed in Balam Garden and this fucking time sorceress and this one guy who I think is a cowboy. And, um, and the weird flashback sequences that you have with somebody who's tied to your brain. What is that? Right. And face tattoos. And <laughs> uh, and Sid is just a guy and not like some sort of weird bug. <laughs> Dinosaurs in the basement. It's wild. T-Rex in the basement. Your teacher has a hots for you. It's great. <laughs> All of it's good and great and swell. I am so happy for this game coming out. I'm probably going to pick it up on PS4 because, as you inform me, there's probably going to be a robust trophy list because Final Fantasy IX had the same. And so 7 did seven. as well. Yep. And I need to have a platinum for Part Eight. Does that does that preclude me from getting it for the Switch as well? No, sir. It's only $20. What if the platinum list required you to get like every item in the game? Like hold every weapon, hold every item. Are you ready to commit to that? I think I might be. Okay. I think I might be. I think that this is my Final Fantasy. You know how some people like have like, this is my Final Fantasy? Mm. <laughs> and they always name some whack-ass shit like yeah. 13. No, 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 no. This is the realness, Daniel. <laughs> Fucking 8 is my Final Fantasy. Well, I'm happy for you that's coming out sooner than later, and I can't wait to see you pop that plot. You're going to buy this game. I'm, I have to. Because I played it for game. a little bit in... Wow, it was actually 10 years ago, like 2009... I played it. it. I was living in Gainesville, and I borrowed it from a friend. And I got like ten hours into it, but then I had to give it back because oh, he was in a Final Fantasy eight strap more than shit. I was. It's also weird you never owned thirteen. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I, I will never that. own that game, but I will always get close to platinuming it. I got you. Yeah. I got you. I got another one on here for you. We actually got the full Mortal Kombat 11 combat pack roster revealed. Uh, we already knew about Shing Shung. We already knew about Nightwolf. Mm-hmm. But 
We finally got confirmation that Terminator T-800, and it's the old man Terminator from the new Terminator movie that mm. I don't care about, but I will probably still go see on edibles. What, Genesis? What is it called? Dark Fate? Yeah, no, that's it, Dark Fate. Yeah, yeah. like a fucking comic Fate book of a spell. thousand T's. <laughs> T a hundred. Um, and then we got Sindel, who is from originally from MK three. Yes. She is Katana's mother. I love when like the MK three characters show up because that was like my favorite original roster. I would agree so with good. you. I really like the MK three roster. Actually, Ultimate MK three had the best roster because Scorpion was missing from the original MK three roster. Mm-hmm. I remember that. It hurt. But that introduced, like, what? The cyborgs and the ninjas? Like, oh. Daniel, thank you. Thank you so much. Daniel, you know I love the cyborgs so much. I know. You know I love them. (laughs) Anyway. And we also got, well, Spawn. Awesome. Well, no, Spawn's cool because he's being voiced by Keith David. There we go. We're always talking about Keith David these days, huh? (laughs) Like, every stream I have, I got, like, somebody somebody in my community always goes, like, you want to talk about Keith David movies? And I'm like, yeah, of course. Let's talk about The Thing. Let's talk about about Tales from the Hood Part 2. We had a conversation about that the other stream, and I honestly, I know fewer Keith David movies than I thought I did. Listen, I, same here, I looked up his IMDb, and I was like, what the fuck? Is he a hundred years old, or is he like, is he using that um the time turner from, from Harry Potter? And <laughs> yeah, Prisoner Azkaban. Yeah. It's like getting all these roles, and then we also have the Joker. Yes, DC's Joker hmm. makes sense. WB Games publishes the Mortal Kombat games. They own NetherRealm Studios, mm-hmm. and of course, NetherRealm worked on the Injustice series, featuring all these DC characters. And this is not the first time that we've seen MK injustice crossover mm-hmm. both sub-zero and raiden were in injustice 2 as playable characters oh, cool. and scorpion was in the first injustice all right makes sense i'm trying to explain it what doesn't make sense is why they decided to model him off of like a weak-ass fucking cosplayer instead of like a cool design this has been the talk of the yeah it internet. seemed kind of like watered down he looks like a guy with a bit of makeup that is all actually are they going like the joaquin phoenix joker approach even him, even doing that model would have been like, yo, you got my attention. Mm. No, 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 no. I, I need to walk back on a statement because there's some cosplayers out there doing amazing work. Yeah, of course. Amazing work. This is worse than bad cosplay. Okay. <laughs> this is like something stupid. we would come up with. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we would just be like, you had some talcum powder? I'm going to throw it on me and some lipstick and that that's my joker. <laughs> like, that's what it looks like. I it's got like, Johnson & Johnson baby powder. Yeah, is that okay? The design's so dumb. Uh, the other thing that um, fans are really fucking railing against NetherRealm on is the release schedule for these characters mm. um these characters are going to be drip fed month after month until march 2020 and it's like one at a time yeah uh. yeah it's a yikes yeah spawn doesn't come out until march the fuck yeah exactly i'm just like dude i kind of want to play spawn like right now that's hard too for a game that feels like its relevancy and fervor dipped off really hard almost especially like after it released yeah like i feel like people talked about it hard in april a little bit in may and nobody's talking about it now I dropped off really hard, and I thought I would really fall in love with this game. And mm-hmm. by all accounts, it's one of the best entries into the series. Mm-hmm. How they decided to do their loot system or their unlock system just like really bucked me off. Or I was just like, I, I can't really devote the time to do that. Like, I, I, mm, you've you've strayed a little too far from what I want to do, and I'm not even unlocking the shit that I want. However, nonetheless, my friend, it is apparently the best-selling game of 2019 so far. Yeah, you told me that the other day yeah. when we were just chilling. The NPD. And I was like, that's kind of nuts. It's kind of nuts, right? But Mortal Kombat sells. 
Mortal Kombat cells. Mm-hmm. Daniel, you got something on here that I don't recognize. What I do. This? this actually broke today, which is kind of cool. Uh, it comes courtesy of IGN. Um, MDHR Studio, they're responsible for Cuphead. Um, they're actually releasing the sheet music to the score of Cuphead, and they're inviting all school bands to just learn them. Oh, that's really fucking cool. Yeah. Holy shit. That's actually super cool. Um, I was saying, uh, I tweeted about it. Um, original scores and full, like, sheet music lists are hard to find especially from older music so the fact that like mdr mdhr is like here take our music play it play it at your high school pep rallies play it during your you know jazz ensembles that's really awesome because like the score is so robust in terms of like jazz music big band swing dixieland like it's all over the place in that sort of like jazz styling and it would fit right at home in like that sort of big band feel Yo, calling all band geeks, um, this is the kind of thing where, because, like, you know, your band teacher is usually some old fucking guy. Mm. Or maybe a young fucking guy. I don't, I don't know. know. I had a jazz ensemble teacher when I was going to school for, for jazz who, he was an older dude by by a long shot, but he would, like, introduce, a, like, a lot of cooler new contemporary shit. Interesting. Yeah. Because, okay, so tug on your teacher's ear mm-hmm. and be like, yo, there's some big band music mm-hmm. that you don't know about check this shit out well this is cool because it makes me happy because i feel like video game music often gets like discarded or swept under the rug as something that's just kind of like background noise for like the visuals or the narrative of video game and people don't often like consider it as like music you know but there's full compositions full scores full original soundtracks a lot of thought that goes into these arrangements like the fact that you can play a boss fight in cuphead and hear different parts of the score every time you pick it up is awesome like it's just so well thought out and designed for like that level of gameplay and i think it's cool like it invites a whole new generation of jazz players and instrumentalists to just be like cool i can not only learn my instrument but i can also incorporate my love of video games into that and that's that's great do you think we can somehow get bad bad not good to perform one of these cuphead songs Ooh, i think we'd have to add them on twitter can we add them at twitter we could do whatever we, we want. should do that we should do that right after this. Right after like, this. yo, guys, check this shit out. We think it's up your alley. Mm-hmm. It would be really cool if you guys played this. We know that you played uh, uh, Legend of Zelda Melody. Mm-hmm. Yo. Yeah, they're nerds. They're, they're for nerds. sure nerds. They're definitely nerds. <laughs> we need to get into that. We'll, we'll do that. We'll do that for that sure. That sounds like a good follow-up. Yeah, yeah. I got a quick thing I didn't write here, by the way. Mm. It got leaked and then super revealed by Capcom. Thank you, Capcom. We are getting another Mega Man Legacy Collection, but this time focused on Mega Man Zero and all of his uh, oh, games. Mega Man Zero is fucking fantastic. Phenomenally hard. Mm. And then there's like Mega Man X-Zero and all this shit. I forget the name. There's one on DS in particular that's kind of rare, and that's part of the collection. And I'm very happy about that because mm. that one's basically a Metroidvania in the Mega Man universe. Oh, cool. Look for that shit. It's coming out in goddamn January, which seems to be the remaster season for Capcom. Remember, this year was Onimusha, mm. which y'all bitches slept on. And we will not, we will not get a reboot of Onimusha because of your failure to open your wallets. Wow, you spoke like a true disgrace samurai there. Sorry, the cap, the Capcom captain. The cap- he's having a flare-up. Has many, many. I try to bring you the happy Capcom captain, and sometimes it gets just the darker side. I, I get think, dark Ryu on you. Yeah, I, think I it's get dark Ryu because on you. you haven't been able to really put on your captain hat in a long time. Not in a long time. Capcom's been kind of quiet after Resident Evil Two because mm. I think everyone's just smoking cigars and getting fucking like celebratory blowjobs, which <laughs> well deserved. Getting my friends. Getting over those sales. Well fingers. deserved, though, my friends. Um, we got some two mm. Blizzard quick hits on here. 
we're fucking this is like news news apparently trust me we wrote out other news but anyway uh wow classic launched this week and the servers are goddamn clogged but people are being very considerate and they're just queuing up and waiting for their turn to raid in the world of wow people are so stoked for it it's kind of so cool fucking to see. stoked so goddamn stoked actually daniel that they have reached one million concurrent viewers across across all streamers on the first day alone i saw that they topped fortnite they topped apex legends they topped just chatting just chatting yeah Yo, that's my situation when right. I get bored of playing a game. We do that a lot. Just, yeah, we do, we do that a lot. Whatever you go to my room, I'm just like, full screen. Fuck yeah. this game. <laughs> um, I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Again, I will probably never get onboarded to WoW. Not my style. Not my domain. But I respect it. What is the bent for WoW Classic? Is it just like a remaster? No. Or... It is a map. So, you know, WoW had this genesis, well, this evolution over time mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, Burning Crusade and 10 other expansion packs I can't name. And I'm surprised Vargy, you even knew that one. Vargy's probably ripping his hair out, <laughs> trying to be like, these guys don't know what the fuck they're talking about. He's when it comes to World Warcraft. We, we God speak. damn it. These idiots. These idiots. These idiots. But we love you, Vargy. Essentially, imagine. Take Overwatch, for instance. Mm-hmm. We talk about this, where it's like we have all these additional characters and rebalances. Symmetra is unrecognizable to how she played originally. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you set the clock backward. That is what WoW Classic oh. is. Revert it to its original beautiful state that people have nostalgia for. Go back to simpler times, right? Okay. So like the very first iteration of WoW. Basically. That's cool. That's really That's cool. really cool. It's a really cool, like, I can you call it experiment? It seems like they're really supporting it. You know, I want to see where that goes. I want to see if people like drop off on this pretty hard or if, is it one of those just like curiosity things where they jump in and go like, hey, OK, cool. I kind of remember why uh, we needed some of these uh, updates, yeah. <laughs> you know, but we'll we'll see. But that's a cool thing to hear. Um, another blizz down thing. I called it blizz down on yeah. the dock and I didn't say it. Blizz down uh, is that apparently some listing for an Overwatch switch case. Mm. It looks nice, too. Has instigated not only rumors for a potential port (laughs) to Nintendo Switch, but also people are saying that Tracer is going to be in Smash. That would be world-changing. First of all, Daniel, we talked about this before. Mm -hmm. There is no non-Japanese incepted character in the Smash roster. There is not a Western character. There's no Geralt from The Witcher. There's no fucking Master Chief with the suit that jacks him off from uh, 343 Industries slash Bungie. We don't have that. It is all basically Mm. Japanese-made games. Whether it's Nintendo or Sega or second parties or Exactly, exactly. Or Konami. Yeah. This would be a first. And Tracer? Do you agree with Tracer? She's on the box art, but... I mean, there's a few things that have have led to this moment where people have been speculating where there's have been rumors about overwatch being ported to the switch sure the case is a huge indication somebody on reddit even posted september 12th new smash character reveal female reveal she's not a demanding character and it will disappoint and confuse a lot of people <laughs> that is all do i do i think tracer is a good character to to put in smash I think it would be weird to make her work within the confines of the game, but I'm I'm there for it, you know? I think it could be fun. I would submit that if you want to talk about the face of Overwatch, mm-hmm. D.Va. 
Diva. I would say Diva, it actually doesn't even make sense to me that Diva's like not on the cover of the game, mm-hmm. essentially. That they opted for Tracer, and like I know the, the dev team always kind of like thought of Tracer as like a cheerleader for the mm-hmm. game, or as like the face of the game, because she survived the transition from Titan to what became mm-hmm. Overwatch. But I think Diva is more kind of... I, I don't know, like, it symbolizes Overwatch overall, right? Don't get me wrong. I love D.Va. Hannah Song is my girl. I would love to see her in Smash. I would fucking drop money on a season pass for Smash today if I knew she was going to be in it. Right. But, like, like you said, Tracer really adequately represents the rise and fall of Titan to Overwatch. What what they did in terms of... Don't use my point against me. I'm saying, no, I'm no, saying, no, I, in terms no, of putting, I hate Trace. I hate her. Putting her in the forefront as, like, a LGBTQA character, like, making big strides with her there. Like, she, she's the face of Overwatch. Uh, D.Va was actually, like, a late-stage add-on to the game, despite being, like, a lot of the devs, like, favorite characters. She was, like, one of the last characters to be added on. Really? Yeah. Interesting. She, she was, like, hero number 19 or 20 that they, they were working on. Jeff walked in and was like, something's not working. But and like, people had to figure out what he meant. He's like, oh, God, what's not working for Jeff? Oh, Jesus. It would just be like, how do you make her work within the confines of that game, though? Like, you know, plenty of characters in Jeff that game. Jeff Max. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff <loves> Max. <laughs> like, you have characters that have guns. Sure, you have fucking Star Fox and Falco. You have, uh, what's his name? Falcon? Starco. Starco. <laughs> you have all those characters. <laughs> you have characters that can teleport, even. You have, like, uh, Princess Zelda who can do the teleport jump. So, like, she wouldn't be, like, out of place. But it is like she would be the first Western character. Are we ready for that? Yeah, we're Are ready. Are we for ready that. for that? Yeah, we're fucking ready for that. And do you want to be that that be like the lead in Western character? You know, like if we're talking about, I wouldn't um, be mad about it. But like, I know a lot of people would be because there's so many legacy characters in terms of like long running franchises or Western developers or American studios. You know. I think you're right. It's got to be Duke Nukem. It's got to be Duke Nukem. It's got to be Duke Nukem. That's what. It, that's what it is. That's what it, it's got to be. Yeah, that's got to be it. Daniel, what is this? La- Before we get into the other news portion, I know we're running like three hours into our podcast we're already. Good. Somehow, okay, we're fantastic. Golden. What's going on? We got an anniversary. Yeah. What? Yeah. Apparently, Batman: Arkham Asylum turned ten years this past week. Goodness fucking gracious! G fucking Willikers, know, Batman. Right? That's amazing. It's pretty awesome also alarming when it comes to my own mortality yeah the the fact that 10 years have, have passed that quickly what have i done with the last 10 years of my life i was out of high school when that fucking game came out i remember that i was 19 yeah i didn't actually own like that current gen console at that point like the xbox 360 or the ps3 like i ended up playing oh, arkham right. asylum on my roommate's console like i did a lot of games at the time hey that's fine man you yeah. had an access to access to games mm-hmm. and there you go it was one of those games at the time where like i was playing my gamecube a lot i was playing my n64 or my ps2 because those are the systems i had and like you know like i always say like I was kind of poor in those years, and even before, and like I just kind of like played what I had, even if it was me playing the same game eighteen times. I'm talking about you, Resident Evil Four, Ocarina of Time. But like when I got my hands on this game, it Does was a like subtitle for RE Four. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. RE Four, <laughs> Ocarina of Time. <laughs> but it was cool to like get my hands on what felt like a current gen game, especially yeah. like a comic book game like that, and to have so many Batman games that I played, and all of them kind of be kind of like meh. 
and have yeah. this one be like such a cool 3D entry into like video games and a very all that. forward thinking game that also built on the legacy of games before it, like for instance Metroidvanias, yeah. uh, and and other beat 'em up action games. We're just like, let's make this all work. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the most influential games to come out of last generation. I think I made a tweet about it because I do tweet sometimes. Yeah, uh, we wouldn't have the new Tomb Raider games at all without this. I don't think we'd have God of War without it. We wouldn't have what Spider-Man is even. None of those games would exist if not for the mold that Mm -hmm. Arkham Asylum set and Rocksteady set for this title. And apparently, like, it was kind of a gamble. Like, Rocksteady, nobody knew who the fuck they were before uh, Batman Arkham Asylum. They didn't have, like, this this resume where it's like, yeah, 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 you guys are probably going to knock out, like, a AAA adaptation of a superhero. No, no, no. What did they do before that? Um, It's not great. There's a lot of ports, a lot of, I think, licensed shit. I think I remember we talked about this in the episode a long time ago. And I looked through and I was like, I don't recognize half these games. Mm. I don't know what these are. It's like they existed, but they didn't truly live until the bat got into their yeah. lives, essentially. <laughs> and I still love the original, of course. I think Arkham City is my absolute yeah. favorite. I think that's the superior game. It is a superior game. They really, really, really fucking broke the mold with mm-hmm. that one. But I, I think the foundation was laid out in Arkham Asylum. It was such a unique game. Mm-hmm. I remember pouring hours into it to the oh, Riddler yeah. trophies and going back and forth. and just Collecting the, all the lore. Yo, just the combat system alone is like one of my... Fa- it's set a new bar, dude. Mm-hmm. If you have a beat em up combat system in a 3D game and it doesn't mimic that game, get the fuck out of my house. It flows so well, too. Like, thinking about, like, my time with Arkham Asylum and City, like, I would pour hours into just combat challenges because it just felt so good to be bats, to be beating up thugs and fucking henchmen and and everything. Oh, it was awesome. What a fucking fantastic game. I want to go back almost and play the original. I think they just did a a remaster collection for PS4 and Xbox One. Uh, Uh, Return to Arkham, right? Yeah, where it's... um, I don't know if it's all of them. I think it's just one and two. Or no, no, no. They're releasing another edition for the yeah. UK that has all three. Yeah, yeah. So it's Minus Arkham, Origins. So it's Asylum, City, and Night. Yeah. Come on, guys. What the fuck is going on where this disrespect for Arkham Origins? Mm-hmm. It's a good game. Wasn't it just like developed by a different studio? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. WB Montreal. Uh, yeah. But I respect them all. I love them all. Do you have any standout moments from that game? The original Arkham Asylum? Yeah. Uh, the main fight was really fucking awesome. Um, I remember because, like, you had to, like, jump over him and shit and, mm-hmm. like, throw batterings just yeah. to stun him and yeah, stuff. Yeah, cool. That was a cool fight. Like, it was just like, oh, yeah, that's nice. I think one of the bigger, bigger kind of, like, wow moments for me in that game was the first time you end up in a room just surrounded by enemies and the game is just mm-hmm. like, go at it. <laughs> and when you start doing it, you feel this that connectivity between like, you know, punches and stuff and there there's kind of like a rhythm to the combat. Yeah. And I was reading that originally when they were making the game, the idea was to have some sort of like a rhythm-based combat system. Hmm. Like it actually is like a flow to it. And they started tweaking and tweaking and tweaking until they got to what they have now. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know so, that. So, originally it was supposed to be almost rhythm game based. Yeah. I, could, I can get a sense of that, though, because like, there is such a rhythm yeah. and ebb and flow to yeah, like, combos and pinging back and forth between enemies. Yeah, and I 
I love I, my my favorite thing was just being a detective in that game. Mm. Like all all these games now basically steal from Arkham Asylum, where yeah. it's like if you have any kind of see through wall vision, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense in games like The Last of Us or Days Gone. Yeah, why does Joel have that ability? Why do you have that power? It made sense because Batman has technology. Yeah, that's and true. Goddamn cow, he can mm. do it right. And so a lot of that game is just built around the fact that like it makes sense for Batman. Mm. And I feel like other games that like mimic it are just like really reaching. Well, every game tries to do it now. Like every triple a game especially sony game does it every fucking game does it and like i i'm not gonna knock it because like it's crucial in some instances but the way they're trying to write it into the story like right the reason fucking deacon does it oh yeah boozer taught me I'm like, oh, Boozer didn't teach you that Boozer shit. taught me how that to track. stick stickly looking motherfucker. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. That's not what happened. Um, for me, I'll, I'll call out two things in particular. I think, like, the first time you're walking through the asylum and you just get a sense of, like, all the rogues gallery, all the villains there in the same place, and you get to, like, kind of walk through their cells and, and see the history they have not only in Arkham, but, like, with Batman himself. Like, it's kind of neat to see, like, all that, like, history of the animated series and all the comics and all this shit kind of like coalesce into like a video game format. Yeah. They had their own universe that was totally, totally propped up by like other forms of Batman media to get, distill it down to like, Hey, this isn't an exact comic arc or an exact replication of a movie or a Mm -hmm. TV show, but it's everything. Yeah. It was such an interesting approach to the character where I feel Spider-Man mimicked that shit. For too. sure, for sure. For sure mimicked that. Where it was like, that was a smart approach because yeah. you made your own kind of Batman. But now we got to the point where like Arkham is its own kind of continuity, right? Then that's interesting to play with. Yeah. And I think the only natural extension to this franchise is Beyond Arkham. Beyond Arkham. We gotta do Batman Beyond Arkham. I want that so fucking badly. We gotta do it. Do is to give me a fucking cyberpunk goddamn world gotham mm. circa 2083 or some shit yeah give me an old man batman played by an old kevin conroy give me my terry mcginnis i'm all here on. for it i mean i'm all i'm all down for like the mm. what court of owls thing that's been rumored here and there but yeah i, yeah, yeah, I want yeah, batman the, the beyond. yeah I, I want it i want it so one bad. last shout out the scarecrow sequence in the morgue that shit That's sticks right. out as probably one of the top 10 moments in like the last 10 years of gaming for that me. shit was when he's like so hallucinating good. in the morgue and like seeing his parents and like it's so fucking grotesque like all the stuff he's seeing and it plays with your like your senses in like really cool ways i think um fuck yeah the dem bones uh dlc was also very important to me because it was just a horde mode where you fight skeletons was that a thing dem bones? Very, i didn't know that okay. dem bones mm. dem bones it's my favorite one cool because you love fucking skeletons. I love skeletons, dude. I love skeletons and skeletal things. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Skeletor. All right, Skeletor. I got the big gamer news oh. here. Damn, man. we got. I told you we had a big episode. I don't know how this happened, but this happened. It didn't even feel big when we started. No, it didn't. It felt like, yeah, yeah, we got this. And it's like, oh, three and a half hours later. <laughs> All right, man. Let's run through this. Number one, big news for you. Sony bought up Insomniac Games wowzers okay Mm. on august 19th sony worldwide studios announced that they have acquired insomniac games the burbank california developer responsible for last year's marvels spider-man and the ratchet and clank series perhaps because the 25 year old studio has produced dozens of exclusives for playstation consoles or perhaps because everything they say these days is a spider-man pun ceo ted price said the acquisition feels like a homecoming <laughs> ah, that was long that was good that was long wind yeah, it wasn't there, far huh? from home but you got it and it's all bittersweet now because sony fucked up fucked up sony oh, I'm so mad. you fucked up you they, dishonored yourself you dishonored yourself 
You need to get back with Disney. Anyway, Price wrote on the studio's website the following, quote, We've collaborated with Sony for more than 20 years, spanning all four PlayStation consoles, 20 total games, and wow. six franchises. We still work closely today with many of the same uh, Sony teammates as we did when we released the original Spyro the Dragon in 1998, end quote. God, that was 20 years ago. We're so fucking old. Oh, Jesus Christ. Sony is also pleased as a plum. (laughs) In an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, Sean Layden spoke of the developer like a basketball coach would of a newly obtained player. Quote, They bring quality and innovation. The two things that we lean into every time and all the time. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) They are an impact maker. They are a style setter. They are a very rare bird. And we felt that this was the time to formalize wow, the relationship. Wow, very verbose. End quote. Also, it was confirmed that Sean Layden does coke. Can <laughs> <laughs> you imagine this guy? <laughs> the trendsetters. The world betters. A high-flying bird of entertainment. It is insomniac. They never sleep. We never sleep because we're on coke. The on the intercoastal cosmos highway. What? Fuck you, Phil. What the fuck? <laughs> Interaction that interacts with you. <laughs> dreams. <laughs> the studio was built using dreams. Oh my god. Uh, that's cool. Yes. That's cool. I think yes. a lot of people were like, oh, I thought they were a first party studio. They're, they weren't. They, they were second apparently. party. And I think this is one of those things that, first of all, it just makes sense. They it have does. a good working relationship with Sony, and they've had one for years and years. And mm. in fact, it begs a better question. Why hasn't it happened until now, right? Like, what what the fuck? Like, around when they pumped out a bunch of... Uh, didn't they do Resistance? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They pumped out, like, three Resistance games. How come Russian the conversation... Did, did Part 3 style. shake their, their belief in the studio? Like, what, what's going on here? I think it was probably the fact that Spider-Man was probably one of the best-selling games of this generation and they're just like well not only should we reward that but we need to make sure that they don't make games for anybody else well i think uh our our friends and lovers at kind of funny kind of funny games podcast daily yeah yeah uh they mentioned that oh they probably did it because they didn't want xbox to swoop in Mm -hmm. and fucking buy them up first yeah of course because Microsoft is making those bets and those mm. deals because they're really trying to shore up for next yep. generation. And and like if you don't have Spider-Man 2 as an exclusive for PS5, like, ooh. I mean, they would have had it as an exclusive regardless of Insomniac's involvement. Mm-hmm. A better and best look is to work with Insomniac yeah. to make that happen. It's so interesting that Sony Pictures doesn't see a similar concept when it comes to Spidey elsewhere, mm-hmm. but that's neither here nor there and will never happen again. We miss you, Tom. Come back. What's going on? We don't want to see Woody Harrelson is fucking carnage. <laughs> He's weeping. What's wrong with you idiots? Okay. Okay. Are you on Sean Layden's coke? <laughs> Here's the thing. Like, Sony has done good things yep. with Spider-Man. Like, yep. Into the Spider-Verse is such a, a good proof of concept of what they could do. And sold like shit. That. Yeah. It, I mean, that's. I think that's just because animated movies don't sell the way that live action ones do, because it's considered a kiddie medium. But it's probably one of the most mature animated films we've gotten in a really long time. So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think it's one of the best, so. probably the best Spider-Man movie. Yeah, it's really, it's a contender. Yeah. It is the contender. But uh, Insomniac, I'm excited to see what they do. Apparently what they won't do 
and this there's no confirmation on this is do a sequel to Sunset Overdrive. Ah, a lot of people are upset about that. Um, I think Sunset Overdrive got a bad rap because it decided to come out on Xbox One as a fucking like launch title yeah. basically and that was a real bad time for xbox um you think we're gonna get a port of it at least it, it's out on steam okay. right now i don't know that it's gonna make it over to playstation's ecosystem at any point i don't know if there's a lot of interest to do it i would be sony and look like yeah that's cute mm-hmm. so how's spider-man 2 coming? <laughs> yeah i feel like they're looking at them so hard to do that yeah i think that only makes and, sense i don't know now that they have them in-house i think that's awesome because like Having a studio that you can cure it like that and give your asset and time to, you really give them the room to make the best product they can at the end of the day. Yeah. Less stressors. I mean, I can't even say less stressors because I'm sure like Shuhei and Sean Layden are going to be in there pretty often. Like, so how's Spidey doing? How's it looking? Mm. Yeah. Well, apparently they take a pretty hands-off policy with development on games. They go like, make your ship, do your thing. Yeah. I, uh... I, I like that that they foster that basically, but of course it's a business, you yeah. know. I'm sure that there's a push to be like, yeah, 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 yeah. So Spidey, like, I'm sure that's every conversation mm-hmm. right now, you know. Um, I hope that they don't like fetter them in any way when it comes to especially uh, Insomniac's really good at making VR games. Mm-hmm. I haven't tried any of these VR games, but a lot of people were talking about how decent they are, and it only makes sense that hey, you got a studio that's good at it, and you got this fucking peripheral PSVR mm-hmm. that you really want to support. Get Insomniac. Get a small team together going like, you're our VR crew, dogs. Like, make shit yeah. happen. You what know what VR games have they done? I can't name any. Kevin can't name any. You know yeah. I don't care about VR. I don't either. But they're really trying to fucking elevate it like fucking three years out from launch. And Listen, I just don't some, think it's catching the way like they want it to. Some gamers care about it out Not there. Sure. They exist. They're real. Half of them are in games media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, half of them got their VR headsets for free. You That's know? A, well, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> But it might be true. Yeah, probably. Corrupt games. Me- no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but no, that's good for Insomniac. Mm-hmm. We'll see some exciting things down the line. I'm interested to see them maybe do like something new too, like get a whole new IP from them as well. No. <laughs> you think it's just going to be Spider-Man? No, yeah, it's just Spider-Man. Okay. There's a Spider-Man studio now. Sure. Come on, get out of here. Okay. Get out of here with your, your... What do you want? See Resistance 4? Nobody wants to see that. There's like five people out there that are fucking well, saying I want there, Resistance There's forward. been a lot of argument that Sony doesn't have a first party studio geared towards like... Shooters. Shooters. And like, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Like, Sony's known for their action adventure type games. Very narrative focused. Very combat focused. But like, I don't think it's very necessary for them to have a sort of like first party shooting studio. But, you know, they might see it differently over time. They might. I think... Uh, Sony has an uh, well any exclusive shooter has like an upward hill to mm-hmm. climb because we live in an ecosystem where games as a service and cross-platform play mm-hmm. is kind yeah. of the push forward so games like Destiny have much more room for survivability than mm-hmm. something that's locked to a PlayStation ecosystem that relies on that you that's know true. so I like Call of Duty even Modern Warfare is going fucking multi-plat or I mean not to say multi-plat but actually cross-play mm-hmm. Uh, it's a big thing so for like sony be like here's our here's mag 2 mm-hmm. people are like what the fuck yeah i don't what think they're you, like super worried about it what are you doing with mag <laughs> yeah get out of here that that was like an experiment right <laughs> <laughs> some people swear by mag you don't know what it is i know i i know the cover because i filed yeah, it a few were, times at GameStop. exactly <laughs> that's like, about what it the fuck is mag yeah. <laughs> anyway number two on here my friend speaking of sony the uncharted movie loses its director like again um <laughs> you know daniel it seems like good video game movies are uncharted territory i'm looking at the camera yeah 
Wait, you hear the no crickets? Camera. You hear the crickets in the background? There's legitimate yeah. crickets. They're unrelated. Thank you. Well, <laughs> I, it seems like filmmakers feel the same about this. Specifically, Dan Trachtenberg. I like The him. director, I like him too. The director that brought us 10 Cloverfield Lane and who has an affinity for making short films based on video games like Portal and Warframe. He did that recently. Hmm. He has become the fifth director to exit Sony's Uncharted film. Yeah, true fact. So Tom Holland, who was announced in 2016 to be taking on the role of a young Nathan Drake, remains attached to the project. The story of the film is still being pitched as a prequel to the game starring Holland, and Sony is scouring for a new director. Now, the Uncharted movie has been kicking around since two 2009, when director David O. Russell was helming the project with Maki Mack, Mack. Mark Wahlberg, uh, set to play Drake. Maki. But getting this project off the ground has been harder than finding Sir Francis Drake's lost treasure. Reference. A lot of puns. A lot of puns this episode. I don't. This isn't really a pun. That was just fucking nerd anyway if the movie does finally get the ball rolling it will be the first film to be made by sony playstation productions who apparently also has a twisted metal tv show in the works interesting go nuts yeah uh david harbour for sweet tooth i'm gonna oh campaign whoa i have had any thought about i'm gonna that. campaign for that one right <laughs> now fucking turn me on to that <laughs> yeah i did that's all the casting i yeah. care about He's in interesting places. Like, he's going to be in the new Black Widow movie, and he was in That's Hellboy. Right. Hellboy sucked. Okay. Hellboy oh. sucks so much. I'm sorry. That movie sucks so I, I didn't think it was poised to be very good. Oh, it was poised to to hurt you with your eyes and your ears. And you, didn't think, you... you didn't think that your, like, senses could be assaulted yeah. all at once. Well, it took you it to hell and back, so no that's okay i had an uncharted territory yeah let you me, have, that one. That let me one. have one daniel will this movie ever get made eventually <laughs> that, I mean, that would I be my like, answer yeah i feel like playstation productions has put time and resources and like they've obviously like put together a script of sorts here and there it's just i don't know why i don't know why it's so hard to get a director on board like getting a director on board for this movie is like a defense against the dark arts position at hogwarts like you can't keep <laughs> them there for one reason or another that's a deep hog cut yeah <laughs> let me tell you um i'm excited to see that tom holland is still on board to play a young drake because i think that'd be awesome i think he could own that role yeah don't lose him yeah you lose him you lose the project i yeah yeah first of all i don't have a lot of interest in seeing an uncharted film to begin with no. i don't think it could match any of the ebbs and flows of the uncharted games especially the evolution that we got all the way going to uncharted 4 where it was like oh fuck mm. this is really like a capper to this franchise well, isn't it? we're gonna get the same thing that we got with i mean it'll be different because it's incubated in-house but like look what happened with the tomb raider movie where it just kind of seemed like a pale imitation of the first tomb raider game that came out in like what 2014 or 2015 12 13 yeah it was around that time and i i mean to say like of the reboot series not the first tomb raider obviously because angelina jolie took the cake like years prior with that you know she's in the mcu these days it's funny that certain people aren't mm. oh my god <laughs> that's a through that's a through line on i don't feel so good on this episode <laughs> listen i don't really care if this movie gets made i think the uncharted games have their own narrative that they've incubated and i've taken that journey with drake and fucking Sully and all those people over the last 10 years and that journey is very cool and personal to me i don't think anything they can do in the film space is gonna fucking rival it or break new grounds but it'll be cool to see like i said tom holland in that role but i'm gonna say that i don't feel strongly about a film adaptation of uncharted mm-hmm. 
I do feel strongly about once we finally get this film uh-huh. getting a a year spanning documentary about why the fuck didn't it happen yeah i want to see the no clip for that like yeah what what, what are the problems here what is it like i know david or russell was kind of like a hothead behind mm-hmm. the scenes but like what occurred what like bureaucracy at these studios just couldn't get this fucking money maker off of the ground you know like i, I want to know that 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 is more interesting to me than the actual fucking result the product itself being the film that's true i mean we already got a kind of cool proof of concept with it with the i forget who did it but like that 15 minute short film that had nathan fillion in it. oh that was so good it was cool it actually like they did some cool first person shots and they had cameras rigged to them where it actually felt like you were a part of the combat and that was neat that would have been fun yeah i don't maybe it's just like it's too big budget maybe the the idea is none of it's concrete i don't know i mean budget is what killed projects like halo and bioshock Mm. where in order to realize the world that's accurate to the video game Mm -hmm. they're like yeah we need money to do this and studios were like uh are you kidding silent hill made like ten (laughs) dollars you know yeah i mean especially with this franchise like uncharted where nathan drake kills at least a hundred people a minute and ruins a set piece every other second like that's a lot of special effects that's a lot of money that's a lot of assets so Uh, yeah no you're you're 100% right on that one i got a number three on here we're gonna switch over from sony to microsoft apparently microsoft will no longer listen in on you through your xbox good thing i don't have an xbox in this room it's very good thing huh but somewhere there's an xbox we're just looking around yeah. like fucking. Uh, can you can you cue in some Halloween music? You know where you know where his body's gone at the end of the original. Oh yeah, and it's just like where, <laughs> like yeah, exactly yeah. like that. You got it. That's a post. Uh, that's a post remark there. Uh, following a report Vice published uh, via Motherboard, by the way, okay. last week where it was revealed contractors were paid to review audio of users captured through their Xbox, Microsoft says they have halted the practice. Well, thank God for that, huh? The corporation released a statement stating, quote, We stopped reviewing any voice content taken through Xbox for product improvement purposes a number of months ago. (laughs) So what, you deserve credit? (laughs) As we no longer felt it was necessary. And we have no plans to restart those reviews. End quote. I'm gonna I'm gonna pause right there. I'm gonna pause. I'm gonna pause right there. We stopped doing this invasive practice because we deemed it fit to stop. <laughs> so what deemed you fit to start it? I love I love the lack of culpability or responsibility in that statement at all. Where it's like, yeah, you know, because and then they come at you with this whole like, oh well, you know, it was kind of made clear in our terms of service. We think uh, you guys decided not to read 18 pages of legalese huh i hate that that's the bet now that like okay we have the right to your data your analytics the things you do whether it's video or audio just because you didn't read the fucking toa no no suck it up you dumb dick losers is basically what corporations are saying and i really 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 don't like it when apologists come in and go like i don't think it's too much to make users read through terms of service yeah it actually is when it's a bunch of bullshit line after fucking line i'm on board with a lot of what it Andrea Renee says, but when she says it's it's a little ridiculous that people don't read every line of TOA, it's just like, that's a lot. Yeah, I think it's a lot different when we're talking about like payment contracts, yeah. you know, for like terms of, of service, essentially, mm-hmm. like you're giving a service to a company or something like that. This is different. I'm a consumer. I'm buying a product. Mm-hmm. The least that I can ask for is to be told that like, hey, 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 here's, here's a big flashing opt-in or opt-out yeah. for this kind of thing rather than like, yeah, no, it, it was described in our terms of service on our website. What was that? Yeah. What, what did you say, Mr. Lawyer? He's running. He's running. He's running, he's running away. He's in, he's in his helicopter. He's laughing. He's <laughs> laughing about Skynet. Jesus Christ, what? <laughs> <laughs> However, Daniel, Big Brother Microsoft still reviews small snippets of chat recordings when there are, quote, 
reports that are recording uh, reports that are recording violated our terms of service and we need to investigate. Don't violate their terms. Mm. <laughs> this is done to keep the Xbox community safe and is clearly stated in our Xbox terms of service. Wow. Quote. Gotcha. The Vice article details interviews with former contractors that worked for Microsoft refining Cortana for Xbox. Mostly audio reviewed were (laughs) accidental activations and voice commands related to games and DLC. One contractor said the voices heard in recordings were primarily of children. Hey, parents. Wow. <laughs> Just so you know, if you wanted if you wanted to envision some fucking contractor sitting in an, an office or maybe even working from home in Seattle, mm-hmm. listening to your children, <laughs> that's happening. <laughs> or it did. Xbox has deemed it fit to halt that practice. <laughs> Well, that's fucking good. I imagine they just looked at that. They're like, wow, the countersuits are probably horrible, even though they agreed to it. (laughs) Yeah, this is a tough one, man. This is a tough one. And I think it we need to start bridging the gap between uh, a consumer's understanding what their product does and what they're signing up for Mm -hmm. and how companies get away with well, doing also these what are they trying you. to do with that sort of like audio information process improvement baby mm. data is data is data is data That's regardless true. of whether or not they're infringing on your privacy mm-hmm. because at the end of the day they are legally and factually correct you signed up for this <laughs> yeah i want to rebel against that idea but I signed up for something that you buried, that you fucking buried under just pages and pages of legal you know, jargon. You know and that shit. scroll through every time you go through an online game. You think that I'm gonna take the fucking two hours it's necessary to read through every single thing that you're goddamn doing before I want to play my game? Mm-hmm. We're talking about actual usability versus uh, culpability mm-hmm. at that point. I don't think that's fair to a consumer. I think there's a way that you need to rephrase that knowledge and maybe even make it a thing where it's like, here are the big sticking points in a terms of service about what we're going to do. And you can expand that by like either going online or being able to have a click through that goes like, hey, do you want to know more? Here's your know more about yeah. this subject. Rather than just this fucking wall of text that nobody in their right mind is going to go through when they're trying to boot up Halo. Like that? Come on, man. Yeah. So I, for me, that's a, that's a no bueno when it comes to uh, customer trust. I feel like you're breaking your customer trust by like you know leaning back and going like, no, actually, you signed up for this. Fuck you. Yeah, it's kind of negligent. Yeah. Kind of fucked up, and it makes me want no ne- no negligence there. By the way, they know what they're doing, that's dog. True. Yeah. They know what well, it makes me wonder and worry too, like what other companies are doing at Sony. It's pretty mum about it. There's a Apple, lot of companies. What doing are you it. doing with my Apple phone? My Apple like laptop. I want you. Let's do a thought experiment. Sure. I want you to take a dart, mm-hmm. and I want to. I'm going to give you a map of Seattle uh-huh. and all of the major corporations that reside within the Greater Seattle mm-hmm. area. Throw that dart, and that company's doing it. Ooh. <laughs> okay. It's true. I mean, there are a lot of tech companies out there right. that really hinge on data analytics and knowing all that they can to curb it to consumer needs. So, uh, a corporations, I guess, kind of um, their only skin in the game is whether or not there's any legal liability Mm -hmm. behind something. It's never about moral liability. That's not a concept that really plays into business, right? And at the end of the day, these corporations are business. Microsoft is business. The veneer and the sales pitch, or the snake oil, as I like to say, is saying that we're improving your product. Mm -hmm. We're trying to make your life better. Okay. That's the veneer. That 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 is the lacquer that you put on there, okay? When you really start peeling away that surface, the truth of the matter is we're here to make money and we're here to make money however 
it is possible until regulation finds us or is invited by one of our mistakes. Well put. Don't listen to our children. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so weird. It's a weird thing, right? Like, why? It's They're kids. Like, you're not going to get any sort of data curbing from them, you mm-hmm. know? I think there is another way to approach this, and not using your clientele as guinea pigs is mm-hmm. a very good way of doing it. Yeah. What you do is you do user studies. You gather a thousand participants, say, here's what you're going to do, here's what's happening, mm-hmm. and let's work through this. Maybe you even have it where it's like, hey, we contacted a thousand people in their home environments, mm-hmm. told them this is how we're going to accrue data, sure. opt in. Maybe there's a little little bonus caveat. Yeah. We're going to give you this goddamn Xbox for free if we can just get you to use our Katana software. This is the right and moral way to do sure. these things. But random sampling is a thing of the past. It's a thing of psychological studies that like people It's very Nielsen. Companies You're don't right. use anymore because they have our data and they could just use that on a massive level. It's true. What is what is the better play yeah. from if we if we throw <laughs> morals out the door, what data is better? Live production data mm-hmm. or controlled environments? Yeah. Controlled environments might give you something you don't want. Exactly. That's not how they profit. What a a minefield of a world that we live in i i kind of hate it like it it always fucks me up too i hate it when i'm on instagram i hate it and i'll be like i'll have looked at something previously on google or searched something or brought up like a product and then i literally see an ad for it on instagram or twitter like five seconds later and i'm like stop using my fucking data this is weird this is creepy right it's it's god damn it wasn't it a minority report where he was walking through a mall and then like one of the advertisements like on a on a marquee in the wall like recognized him through like facial and was mm-hmm. just like hey what's going on tom cruise <laughs> we think you'd like this pair of underwear like it wasn't that minority report it was yeah. one of these movies minority and, report was very very prescient and telling of like what was oh my happen. god and like you know it's one of those things where it's like oh this is this is neat sci-fi it's mm-hmm. like no that's the future but think of the ramifications of what that actually means yeah. they know you they know they have your data <laughs> and they're listening even when you a don't want it or b don't know it mm. ah, welcome to the future yeah i know a lot of people who use cortana and then like what uh amazon echo and uh, alexa and all that stuff and it's just like no i won't i won't use it because just like the fear of like what's being listened in on and all this other stuff and no it's for like, sure dude. yeah they can use it for their own advertising but then like at what point does it extend to like the government as, as well like i've heard instances of like government seating and like local departments like listening in on like chats to catch like people and like local drug rings or this or mm-hmm. that and i'm just like fuck like you know not like the, we have anything to hide but it's just like the fact that the technology is being used against us in that way and we don't know that sucks i think what's an important kind of um mental exercise for myself when it comes to uh consequence mm-hmm. let's just say consequence sure. or we could say result result mm-hmm. is something that more people respond to and don't think of as yeah, a of negative course. connotation so let's think of a result I think of the worst possible result mm-hmm. when it comes to a new feature, mm-hmm. a new program, a new idea, mm-hmm. a new tool. What is the worst possible result? <laughs> yeah. What is a byproduct? Uh, unintended consequences is something that I m- like mull over all of the time. Yeah, your mind runs like fucking disaster optics. Correct, because <laughs> you work backwards from disaster. Yeah, exactly. Always work backwards from disaster when it's like, okay, let's work to ideal state. Never assume that the ideal state is what you're going to get yeah, first. Yeah, it was the normal. <laughs> work on disaster first. Mm. So what what kind of disaster could you anticipate? We are recording people. Uh, process improvement. 
Mm-hmm. Product improvement. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. did they get the mm-hmm. legroom for this in the first place? Is it because of like the fucking like Patriot Act or like some sort of bill that was probably passed after 9-11? No, it's a very simple terms of service thing, which is, hey, we're going to listen to some of your info. Yeah, but it wasn't always like that. I feel like there was something significant that it, like gave the wiggle room in terms of service to allow companies to even do that. I'm not even sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but it's time to know. Yeah, it's time to know. It's time to know. Time to read our terms of service and know better. So that's what we're talking about, Xbox. I think that's a good look for you. (laughs) (laughs) Number four on here. Oh, I had another point in here, another sticking point. Sony's been real quiet around this. And typically when Xbox, you know, steps on a rake and breaks their (laughs) nose, it's a great time to either have a counterpoint. Counterpoint, which is to... (laughs) <laughs> to take the opportunity to make yourself look good and go, we don't do a thing like that. Mm-hmm. Or Xbox jumps in and goes, we let people play crossplay. Why not you, Sony? Yeah. That's just business, baby. I've noticed that Sony really hasn't made mention about what they're doing with user data when it comes to voice chat mm-hmm. or system improvements. Been real fucking quiet. I think that's an interesting thing. I imagine it's even worse, too, for them because they're global. Mm, <laughs> like yes i don't even want to know yes they are so i'd be interested i would i would pose the same question hey are you taking any samplings of recordings from chat or user commands mm. at all in order to improve your products and we'll see how a pr person arrives that day <laughs> sean landon will be doing a lot of coke that day <laughs> it's a I, PR want, nightmare. I want to do a thought experiment for you about sean <laughs> another <Landon's> coke <laughs> habits take a dart and take a calendar <laughs> Number four on here. This one sucks. Mm. I don't enjoy this one. We always have a bad one every episode. I like closing bad. You know me. Mm. Yeah, well, anyway, number four. GameStop lays off 120 workers, including Game Informer editorial staff. Mm. Now, that is a gouge to my heart. Last week, GameStop confirmed the layoffs were a part of their reboot strategy. In a statement provided to IGN, the hemorrhaging company said, quote, As part of the previously announced GameStop reboot initiative to transform our business for the future and improve our financial performance, we can confirm a workforce reduction was implemented, impacting more than 120 corporate staff positions, representing approximately 14% of our total associate base at our company headquarters as well as at some other offices. Some other offices being Game Informer, by the way. Mm. While these changes are difficult, they were necessary to reduce costs and better align the organization with our efforts to optimize the business to meet our future objectives and success factors. We recognize that this is a difficult day for our company, and particularly for those associates impacted. We appreciate their dedication and service to GameStop and are committed to supporting them during this time of transition. End quote. Ah, supporting them during time of transition. Wasn't it a few editors and Game Informers saying that they wouldn't even let their fucking health insurance run run to the end of the month? Oh, wow. How very interesting, GameStop. Now, you could say whatever the fuck you want. It's about reality. Mm -hmm. Okay? This is not a good thing. And it's also not a surprising thing. For GameStop at large... The writing is on the wall. Yeah. People are calling him the next blockbuster, and I think that makes sense. While that's a very doom and gloom kind of forecast, it's not wrong. I get that. But at the same time, it still sucks. It still mm-hmm. sucks, and it's, it's especially sucks to see these fluff like, we had a company reduction. You laid people off. Mm-hmm. That is a different positioning of your statement, isn't it? Yeah. I just see these things. It's, it's fluff to make themselves sound a little better. 
Yes, it does. And like I noticed that like 120 of those associates, like they come from like the corporate sector. Like job loss is still job loss. Like it, it sucks to see it come from anywhere. Like usually you see it happen on the retail front. Like, oh, we had to lay off like people across these stores or shut down certain retail stores in certain states or cities. And it's just like, yeah, that's not necessarily quite happening, but it's just like to know that people are losing their jobs in any capacity is still terrible. It's not good. Yeah. It's definitely not, not a good thing. And I, I hate hearing it. But these layoffs were also extended to seven members of Game Informer's editorial staff. Game Informer has been in publication since 1991, beginning as a six page magazine sold at Funko Land. GameStop bought Funko Land in 2000 and has owned Game Informer ever since, build, uh, bundling subscriptions to the magazine as a part of their rewards card uh, program. Editor-in-Chief Andy McNamara wrote on Game Informer's website a message to the community regarding the layoffs. He wrote, quote, I'm saddened by yesterday's news. The Game Informer team means the world to me. You, our readers who have supported us over the years, mean the world to us. I can't thank them or you enough. We appreciate the love that is poured out for GI and the affected team members, including Matt Burtz, Elise Favis, Javi Gwaltney, Kyle Hilliard. Kyle Hilliard, fucking dude. I remember reading his pieces since I was like, for years, dude. Uh, Imran Khan, we will talk about him in a second, but great guy. He was helping out with uh, Game Informer Online and really trying to platformize it into an online publication. Mm. Uh, we have uh, Jeff, I'm going to butcher this, Jeff Marchifava, Marchifava, and then Serial Vasquez. They are so talented and so passionate. Please support them if you are hiring. Each of them has my highest, most glowing recommendation. For now, Game Informer lives to fight another day. Your support is appreciated. End quote. Andy confirmed on Twitter that his team will continue producing Game Informer as a print and digital magazine. And quote, we're making all the content we can, just with a broken heart. End quote. That's devastating. Ah, could you imagine the fuck just being racked that way? Where it's just like, what, 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 what's happening to us? Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's not like, okay, we're going to take this hit and move forward. Writing on the wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? They've been in the industry longer than anyone mm-hmm. to know that this ain't good. And have to like continue to occupy a, like, a space where like seven of your closest employees were just like, oh, it's like... You're probably thinking, okay, when's my time coming? When is Game Informer going to shutter? What's going to happen next? You know, who's next? And if I know anything about uh, journalists, especially in this uh, yeah. sphere, they're going to keep going until they can. Mm-hmm. That's the truth of the matter. They're going to go until those doors are shut. Mm-hmm. And I really, 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 really hope these talented folks are dispersed elsewhere in the industry. I'm so too. Daniel, can you talk to me about how one person of this of the seven people that were uh, let go? Mm-hmm had a second lease oh Imran Khan he's Imran he's Khan. kind of like a guest host on kind of funny games daily which is kind of funny's daily video game podcast that they do and a uh, resource for us the yeah, Safe Room we boys. use it a lot as like just keeping up with current events and news and stuff sure. like that like I don't always have time to like scroll through my Twitter but they do a good job at like distilling the information as cleanly as possible way better than us yeah so he was on an episode last week and kind of funny was gracious enough to bring him on as like a part-time guest or part-time um, host, rather. And mm-hmm. that's awesome because he has such, like, a, a valuable voice in terms of, like, journalism and all the gaming history and knowledge he knows. And, like, I think he's going to round out their rotation of, of hosts in such a such a good way, much of the way that, like, Jared Petty did and Andrew Renee did and, like, mm-hmm. all the people who are actually versed and well-known in the industry because they, they know more than just what they love to play. They know the industry as a whole, too. So I think he's yeah. going to bring a lot of insight to the, the team. And especially all of the connections, because, like, he's the one out of everyone on the team has the closest, like, journalistic career yeah. 
as of late where it's like, you know, I know uh, Greg had uh, a degree in journalism and mm-hmm. all that, but like they've become over the years, over the four years, it's kind of funny, it's been, they're like entertainment figureheads, yeah. you know? They've become less games media and mm-hmm. more like entertainers that talk about games and mm-hmm. media like that. So I think it'd be interesting to have somebody like on their, you know, roster who still has those connections, can still call up somebody and be like, hey, what's going on? Can you verify? Mm-hmm. And operate as a journalist and give us those insights. I want to see them use them as a yeah. fucking soldier of fortune. That'd be cool if they could be at the, the forefront of breaking news even yeah. more than they already are. Because like, they get a lot of stuff because they do um, like a... Uh, you're wrong or right in like because they do the show live on Twitch as well so they get a lot of stuff as it's happening but it would be cool if they could get stuff ahead of the show too yeah that would be really cool and I, I the thing is uh, KF we are KFBFs mm-hmm. kind of funny best friends I love seeing them not only do good by their community but do good for the industry mm-hmm. at large you know like they to steal some words from my favorite cokehead they're impact makers oh my god <laughs> They're high-flying birds. <laughs> they're rare birds. <laughs> no, they're awesome. And they, yeah. they've rehabilitated so many people in the gaming industry who, like, lost their jobs in the past and, and needed, like, a, a place to call home for a little while. Like, they did that with Jared Petty for a bit. And that, that was awesome. It's That's just, awesome. It's yeah. cool to see. And I'm sure he's not just going to be, like, a staple in Kind of Funny Games Daily, but he'll probably be on Gamescast and a few other things here. Yeah, that would be so. super, super cool, super critical. Like, yeah. I love hearing this guy's opinion. I love seeing him. I follow him on Twitter. Follow him on Twitter. Give him, give yeah. him good follows and da 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 Now, going back to Game Informer, mm-hmm. it's a sad state of affairs, right? I mean, like, they're one of the last print gaming mm-hmm. magazines. I still think PC gamers out there. Um, yeah. But they have become, like, what, the fifth most read magazine in all of the u.s oh wow i didn't know that yeah like the, i mean it's crazy hell you talk about throwing darts and, and hitting things you could throw a dart anywhere in this apartment you'll hit a my game room informer. and you'll hit a game informer or a cat or mainly a cat she's a big cat but like it's it's the reason i get excited every year to renew my power up thing with gamestop you know i i like getting the the magazine in the mail i like seeing the new cover story i like seeing breaking stories yo i get excited every time they do like the best 50 games of this right. past year for or sure. the top 100 games of this last decade like reading those compounded lists are so cool for me they put a lot of care and a lot of thought into their their layout mm. into the pieces that they cover and all that and you know i kind of hate it like i get it they're owned by gamestop and at the end of the day, it is a form of advertising for games at GameStop. Mm-hmm. But it's more than that, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, it is. It just happens to be, like, who owns them. You know, just yeah. like in the same way that, like, uh, Cock Media or Coke Media, whatever the fuck you call it, owns some publications that are, like, I fucking read and, like, respect. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't really agree with the overall parent company. Yeah. But, like, I totally, like, I'm on board with this, you know? Um, I think Gawker had similar issues oh, okay. where it's, like, you've got some great fucking writers in your employee and you just want to write these goddamn list article bullshits yeah. and cover just just stick to sports was like the, one of their one of their uh commandments out into the world it, it's just all bullshit well, there's also a bummer to this too where it's like you lost seven like very valued writers and then mm-hmm. that pressure is going to trickle down to the remaining staff like these people are still going to have to work as hard as they can to pump out harder. the same amount of pieces even harder mm-hmm. and make sure that magazine comes out every month not to mention the online presence yeah, and not to mention so. uh, their YouTube and like, you know, I'm sure they do streams and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, God damn, like that, that's a lot of stuff to maintain that you just lost seven valuable people. Mm-hmm. That's an upsetting thing. And it's also upsetting to me like, you know, back in the day, dude, I wanted to get in the games media. It's 
part of the reason why we still do this bullshit yeah. <laughs> right i wanted to get in the games media and i always envisioned myself like oh, i want to work for game informer man i remember being fucking like 10 years old ripping open a mag seeing the fucking review mm-hmm. for metal metal gear solid 2 oh wow sons of liberty and just going like wow and just having like that insight and and, and reading andy reiner's fucking articles mm-hmm. about this that or the other and just going like fucking i get it they write concisely to the point because mm-hmm. they can't they can't do like a big old like blog post version yeah that like you know is kind of what we see online these days they have to really get to the heart of it mm-hmm. almost like it's a newspaper essentially and that was such an interesting thing to see that mm-hmm. like we're going away from it actually like these days there was a oh. point in time where i both i wanted to write for alt press and then like when i got like back in the gaming's really hard and it got current with it i was like i would like to write for game informer as well this is obviously like in my early 20s but like seeing the way they wrote about video games shaped kind of the way that i approached writing about them and how i read about them and how i interpreted them as like a new like art form and all this other stuff Mm -hmm. and it was it was very informative for me because like i don't know back in the days of like nintendo power like when i was like 10 and like another lost warrior i i read that stuff because i was like hyped for like you know the next zelda the next new nintendo game that was Mm -hmm. coming i wasn't necessarily reading it and deep diving in the way that i do now now, the way that I do like their 12 page 20 page spreads that they do sure. I wasn't analyzing it like it was then or like I am now but like their pieces are so influential and it's just like there's a reason why it still remains you know the reason why it's like the fifth ranked you know publication don't quote me on that well I'm gonna quote you on it it's up there I'll throw a dart at you after just for good measure there's a lot of dart throwing yeah. in this apartment these days yeah I, I again I really 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 hope that uh well six of the seven land on their feet in some way mm-hmm. or even for imran maybe like other opportunities open up yeah uh it, it's hard out there especially in that industry and I, mm-hmm. I don't just mean being games media games media is like its own rung of like this is hard yeah it's hard to maintain super competitive well, every gaming the gaming industry as a whole every joe schmo wants to be a part of it but mm-hmm. not everyone has the chops to actually mm-hmm. do it for me i just have personal fears um <laughs> and then there's gaming as a whole that's just as fucking difficult mm-hmm. well actually more difficult yeah. definitely more difficult but I, I hope they find another way you know yeah i do i mean i'm still happy to see you know contributors like andrew reiner still be on there yeah andy mcnair like still be the editor-in-chief and like to have that like heartfelt send-off like it's it's good that they're still at the core of it like they're still keeping it together and i'm sure they're building up morale and keeping their staff going in like these hard times they're trying they're trying they I, they, they need some support right now you mm-hmm. know whatever love that you can give over to game informer mm-hmm. and whatever lack of love that you can give GameStop, fantastic I mean, yeah, the writing's on the wall, but I do think we're still going to see GameStop be a thing for another, like, few years. I know they saw, like, a huge sunken cost when they lost, like, Cricket and T-Mobile and, like, the the way they have to kind of, like, reinvent their circle of life every few years and, like, having to do stuff like this. Like, they're struggling to come up with ideas to sustain themselves, Mm -hmm. but, like, they're still there in the retail space, and I don't think they're just going to disappear overnight. That'd be a weird, weird shift, right? Having no GameStop. Well... I think it'll make sense in five years. I think it'll make all the sense that there's no GameStops in five years. We're all going to be looking at each other and just going like, yeah, discs. I mean, I used to be pretty advent about mm-hmm. physical media. And sometimes I can just get like a, I can order direct from either the publisher mm-hmm. or through Amazon, right? Yeah. The, a physical edition. I'm not really too fucked up about it. Or we'll still see them in weird spaces like uh, like Target or Walmart where it's like, yeah. we don't necessarily go there for games, but they have like, you know, the most popular titles. Right. Except the ones with guns. Except the ones with guns. God damn you. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I think it's gonna make sense at a certain point and GameStop's gonna stop making sense. Mm-hmm. Now they're trying to rebrand themselves, they're trying to make their stores destination spots. They've 
tried a few times already yeah. to make their stores like this is an experience gamers and i think it's one of those things where they got to stop treating their audience as a fucking mark and actually be a part of like we are the gaming community as well mm-hmm. i feel like that is the recipe for success for businesses that try to capitalize capitalize off of this industry which is you know, by gamers for gamers. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's like it's almost become this fucking cliche. All of your merch companies say mm-hmm. that stupid same line for the fans by the fans. Buh, 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 buh. But like, there's a truth to it. It makes sense because they under they're the subject matter experts and mm-hmm. they know how to sell to fans because they are fans. Yeah. GameStop has that disconnect, right? They still they still act like big box retail and they're still run by people that may not have that kind of mm-hmm. boots to the ground understanding. I think that is. It is a change that needs to happen from the top down, mm-hmm. not necessarily like, from let's just keep on fucking throwing people out until we're profitable. Part of it, too, for me is like when I go into a GameStop, I don't want to be there. Yeah, nine times out of ten, I really don't enjoy my experience because you're getting the trickle down from pre-order shit. these game advisors and SGAs who hate their fucking jobs. Oh, for sure. Like they hate having to push like, for sure. like pre-orders on you or Circle of Life shit or fucking re-upping your power up or this or that like... They just want to talk to you about video games and not have to worry about these metrics that make or break their job or how many hours they get, you know? I, like, I miss being able to go into a game retail shop and just get to talk video games with somebody and have that passionate right. back and forth because, like, that leads to a better customer service experience. Like, they're so worried about all these other things. It's like, you don't get that anymore. You get these miserable husks of these employees who are just like, I don't know if I'm going to have my job tomorrow, so you should pre-order every game that's coming out, you mm-hmm. know? That sucks. Yeah, it does suck. Like, there, there needs to be a real big rethink about that because of the space that they're in. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, the biggest problem is like, what didn't didn't they GameStop buy out like Hollywood Video at some point or take their so. play? I remember there being this massive exodus of Hollywood Video mm-hmm. managers, a bunch of fucksticks that ended up being in, um, you know, management at GameStop, mm-hmm. and it just fucking just destroyed the whole ecosystem because they're all very metrics driven. They were mm-hmm. doing shit like tucking your shirt. You need to tuck in your shirt. You need to look professional when you're here. And it's just like professional, dude. We're fucking talking Halo and Call of Duty. Yeah. People want that kind of down home treatment. And that's I remember working at a GameStop and like people really appreciated that they couldn't figure it out for the longest time why we were doing better numbers than the fucking mall store mm. that was up the way. They're like, that's a mall. It should have. It has higher traffic. Mm-hmm. How are you pulling in all these pre-orders and subscriptions? And it's just like by building a rapport with your customer base. Bingo. Yeah, like that's what it is. That's how we, you get high return. We customize our experience to our clientele. Mm-hmm. We go like, hey, we know what you want. Like, hey, how's was going? We turn into fucking cheers in there. Maybe that's the right direction for a lot of these things. Go. Ha- that's the problem. Go back to what mom and pop is. Mm-hmm. Right. Turn your big box retail into that white glove service. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, man, we got you. What's going on? What have you been playing lately? Yeah. That's a better question than going, is there any games you're interested in pre orders mm-hmm. Go like, hey, what have you been playing lately? Well, they have you read off, like, bullshit, like, scripts to sell these certain points. And if you don't hit, like, four out of five or five out of five, like, throughout every shift, it's like, you're not going to get hours. Well, we're overlooking the fact that they don't want to pay anybody more than minimum wage yeah, to true, perform what they feel is a low lift, low, low, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Low, low impact. Not, maybe not, like, low impact, but, like, just low... Wow, low skill job is what would be considered yeah. in some some circumstances True. it's like a plug and play like get whatever fucking kid off the street that mm-hmm. just turned 18 put them behind a counter make sure they get pre-orders i don't think that's the way to do it anymore mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying if you want to fight against the wave coming mm-hmm. turn yourself into an experience yeah and also stop firing people you fuck sticks. what the fuck every fuck stick I'm tired of these fuck sticks daniel <laughs> 
I mean, every, every day, every week, we hear about layoffs. The fuck six are going to keep doing what they're doing, and the bean counters are going to keep laying off people at the bottom level because, like, that's just what they got to do. They're not going to take the money out of their own pockets or lay off big heads, you know? No, I know. They're going to chop at the bottom. I know. I Sucks. Know. I'm going to pose one question again. We've been talking about all upset how long in the tooth we are right now. Yeah. It's okay. We're on a we're on a wave. Sure. We're on a sexual wave right now. Wave of mutilation. What would get you into a GameStop? What would get you to not just like buy off Amazon or mm-hmm. download direct from your Switch? What would get you to be like, hey man, it's a fucking weekend. I have a Saturday off. Mm-hmm. I want to go check out the GameStop. What would make you want to do that? I think it's just, it comes down to personal inclinations. Like, you and I have our, our weekends where we're just chilling and, like, we'll get our coffee and then we'll get, like, pop bellies and, I'm like, hey, you want to go to GameStop? Like, it's just the want to go in, you know, just to look at the games, be around it all. I feel like I'm not being sold something. I feel like I'm actually having, like, an authentic, like, retail experience where I can just go in and, like, you know, look at the games with you and all that. But, like, I feel like going into a GameStop lately has just kind of been, like, a whatever experience because it's, like, I'm not seeing deals that really speak to me. I really only go into pre-order stuff now. And the reason I keep doing that is because, I mean, look look to the left. I like my physical collection of stuff. So, like, yeah, you do. I still like going in for that experience and, you know, being able to pick up a, you know, a game at a midnight and getting to talk with the, those GAs here and there about, like, games that are coming out because it's still, like, an authentic experience for me outside of that you know there's still pockets of like you know i'm paying off a pre-order and they're asking me what else i want to pre-order i'm like no i'm good man like keep talking to me keep having that like that experience but like i don't it just it doesn't take much to get me there it's just like i have to want to go you know mm-hmm. i don't think they need to do anything overt because i think they have cool things in place i don't know i think the whole buyback and trading system is really cool that's something that I had to kind of implement to make themselves more sustainable i think the whole pre-owned library is pretty awesome as well that's where they make most of their fucking you know money internally anyway and that's that's all inviting for somebody like me who sometimes games on a budget you know mm-hmm. and you know keep doing your power for the player sales keep doing stuff that brings me in because otherwise like you know i'm not, I'm not going in you know so, gotcha. They, they don't have to do anything like inventive. Like I like gaming retail stores. I like that experience though. Like I'll go into that. I'll go into like whatever boutique shop there is because I like looking at games. I'm a stupid fucking like window shopper with that stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I and less pops. Yeah, way less pops. Less just pops. a wall of fucking pops right now that they can't even sell through. Yeah, I wonder how Funko's doing. Anyway, um, for me, I think I think about shit like we go to the tap house down mm-hmm. the way, right? We okay. can get beer anywhere. We can get beer at any gas station. We can just go like, hey, I'm going to get a beer. Why do we go there? Because they have a good rotating selection of beers. Okay. They got a good product. Uh Good selection. I mean, we like that guy, David. Sometimes he's a little loud and out there, but he's fun and he's down to earth. Oh, they got somebody working the till that has personality. Yeah. And it's got a pretty good atmosphere there, right? Yeah. There's a lot of reasons to go there. Basically, over choosing the convenient easy way Mm -hmm. if you want to get somebody in there you got to work on things like atmosphere you got to work on the people that you staff there you got to work on what's viable product and what's makes sense i think you have made a good point about like hey have cool sales event sales and stuff Mm -hmm. i think for me if i wanted to go into if i if you wanted to get me to go to a GameStop, do something like hey we have an arcade unit where we swap out like a fighting game like every week. Yeah. Maybe do like a tournament based around it and the winner gets a free game or whatever the fuck, right? I mean, you see a lot of smaller places do that, like you play and trades back and do that. that. Like I'm sure EB used to do that. You see GameStop go, that's not well, efficient. Now we they... shouldn't stay open 10 minutes yeah. past close. Yeah, you got your number crunchers telling you you shouldn't do things like that because there's no take. 
Yeah. I mean, that's why they're doing like their earlier midnights now. They're trying to get people uh-huh. out of the store sooner because they're like, we're just bleeding money. Exactly. And I feel like the, the, the lore of having like arcade units or even having like operable, like, I don't know what to call them. Like when you have your PS4 machine set up where you can demo games and stuff like that, like half the time they're off. They're, they're, oh, they're completely off or they're broken yeah. and only like the fucking, the sales rep comes like once a month to maybe like make sure that they're not like totally dead yeah or spit on or some shit like that like yeah you need to start working on your experience Mm -hmm. i think the experience is like the key to a retail store that can make any experience i mean not to to lean into to it too hard but like the reason starbucks is what it is is because it's a very customer-based business they treat it like a third place a home away from home where it's Mm -hmm. like hey we're elevating this like yeah like sure you're paying fucking five dollars for a cup of coffee but we're giving you a reason to come here and pay that money because we're giving you an experience that like you cling to for one reason or another like you like the atmosphere you like having the interactions with your baristas you like coming back because you know it's going to be a quality experience every time and i know that's hard to get across every company because not every company sees it the same way not everybody has those same like core principles and values but like no I don't know. Maybe GameStop should look into that a little bit. I think they should. Mm -hmm. Although I think it's one of those like uh, looking for a raft at the bottom of the ocean kind of situations. I mean, it's always been like a sinking ship, especially in like the last few years. Even when I was working there back in like 2016, it was like, oh, God, I worked there 2008. Like, like I think that (laughs) stuff has to be in place at the start like it has to be what your company's built around you have to right. build on that in a very <laughs> stable way and make it attractive you can't tack it on as last yeah, effort i don't think they have the right mindset for yeah. it and i think doom is around the corner for mm-hmm. sure and i don't mean doom eternal yeah so we'll get your pre-orders there you go or ga is gonna fucking shame you for it ah uh, yeah i'm yeah. tired of being shamed every time i walk in there you should have fucking pre-ordered I'm like oh you should you should fucking shut the fuck up shut the Fuck, man. All right, we're running a little long, mm-hmm. but let's let's cap this off with with something positive. Let's let's talk about Days Gone Dick. for a little bit. I know, I know, we talked about Days Gone across like the last five or six episodes. Oh, uh, Lost Lake to Deke. Uh, it's Cope. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, Cope. it's Ricky to to, to Lost Lake. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just fighting some freakers here. So, I got a whole mess of freakers. Yeah, so yeah, here yeah. the shit clearing out hordes. Oh, they fucking stink. Yeah, yeah. I guess I'll get around to that if I have to. <laughs> so days yeah. gone. Days gone. We, I, we I had popped a, that plat. We popped that plat because when there's a plat to be popped, mm-hmm. we just can't be stopped. <laughs> Let me tell you. So what really brought you back to it? What got you to sink your teeth into it in a way that you? deemed worthy of your time because like this game like really didn't speak to you on a lot of levels in a word mm-hmm. in a word yeah story okay i really like the story i think we have a deficiency in good zombie media mm-hmm. and i think people think i think people like go to the argument that it's oversaturated right too much and i'm just like okay name fucking four zombie movies that came out in the last two years and i'm mm-hmm. like what world war z that was like three years ago yeah um well you know and like they're struggling because what happened was there was an epoch event Mm -hmm. that started like oh let's let's go back yeah oh four to fucking like 2011 like when was the remake of like dawn of the dead 2004 oh yeah that's where i'm starting that's where that's where i'm starting it right (laughs) okay okay that was your fucking influx and that's a lot of years to get like so much zombie media left too much and then tv yeah and and then video video games games started adopting when they're just like we can just slip zombies in here too right and then other games are like stop zombies from the start fuck dlc (laughs) (laughs) so like i understand the oversaturation but i feel like as of late we just haven't had that much media to be like oh there's so much of it you know i'm like Mm -hmm. okay i can name three games this year 
<laughs> okay. World War Z. Okay. Days Gone. Resident Evil 2. And Resident Evil 2, I feel like, almost sits outside the just another typical zombie game. It's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. It's a fucking grandfather of survival horror mm-hmm. games. And most of the shit you fight is fucking biological freaks. Yeah. Shut your mouth. I mean, you could say the same thing in this case, too. Uh, they're yeah. not zombies. Right? Yeah. But the, the, the other thing to that is that it's not just like, oh, zombies for the sake of zombies and zombies because we need an enemy. Mm-hmm. Have a good story around your apocalypse. What mm-hmm. does that mean? And I think Days Gone really fits that bill. They, they thought out, like, what happened? What mm-hmm. are these people like? What are they experiencing? How do they interact with each other? What are the little communities that erupt mm-hmm. out of chaos? And Days Gone has a very, very interesting answer to that in the form of the PNW, mm-hmm. in the form of Oregon. In the form of, look at these little townships that mm-hmm. were constructed from, like, XMC members and mm-hmm. ex-militia and ex-this. And bikers and marauders and people that, like, they knew before the outbreak happened. Deacon St. John has a really interesting line where somebody was asking about the, the group of anarchists that formed around. And I don't know what their whole... Like, you run into the Rippers more than you do the anarchists. Mm-hmm. The anarchists are just like, fuck everything. Yeah, I feel like the anarchists and the marauders kind of overlap for me. Kinda, where I'm like, what's overlap, the difference? Right? But... And somebody was asking, like, well, what do you think it is? Like, what is this whole appeal to that kind of shit? Like, why mm-hmm. are we seeing so many people going nuts? And Deke goes, do you know how many people were in prison right before the shit hit? Mm-hmm. And he was like, there was basically... I think his number was somewhere like, there was millions of people mm-hmm. in prison. And you got to imagine that so all of those people are free. People that don't give a shit about the law are now just roaming the lands and informing society. what we have now. Yeah. Well, what is of society? And he goes, those were just the people that were caught. <laughs> now imagine everyone else who wasn't caught, mm-hmm. that doesn't give a shit about the law, was given free reign. It becomes like the purge to them. This is the world now. In mm-hmm. our struggles, they actually... And you see this, this 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 character kind of arc with Deke, too, where at first he's like, I don't give a shit. I've really got nothing. I got glimmers of hope. Mm-hmm. And I know for a fact it's like, my wife is dead. You know, I she's gone. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's the only thing that really keeps him going, like that glimmer of hope, the hope that he can maybe one day find her again. And it's kind of like a straw man version of hope mm-hmm. because he knows in the back of his, like, you're dead. He visits her grave, dude. Mm-hmm. He visits her grave over and over, just talking, going like, you didn't even die here. This is just the last place that I saw you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's, there's something so bittersweet and sad and, and horrible about that, where it's like, all I have to live for is nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty profound when they give it to you in those doses. But the more he interacts, the more you, as a player, interact with these little villages and mm-hmm. townships, and a lot of it's taking on bounties. But a few places, like Lost Lake, is like, no, there's more than just killing people that wronged us or getting back at people. Mm-hmm. It's more about, we're trying to establish something here. We're trying to rebuilt yeah i think you get it in small doses in the first half of the game and i i really don't think the first half of the game builds and elevates what the whole experience is because it's kind of bland and rote and its approach you go back and forth between the two camps like copeland's camp and and tucker's camp and you get pockets of that trying to rebuild trying to rehabilitate people uh in In all different flavors by the way like toward the end of the game the militia is more mm-hmm. about let's use military order to bring back structure mm-hmm. and then you know lost lake is more about like no faith in man is yeah. what's going to get us here the treaty will stand well, the thing about like <laughs> these know? stories these post-apocalyptic these outbreak stories what makes them interesting what made the walking dead so compelling to read or watch for for x amount of years is the human element like right how people interact with each other, how depraved they are, how they rebuild, how they support each other, or how they tear each other down. And 
you get so many cool instances of that. Like there's there's a a case with a, a character pretty early on. Her name's Lisa, and you get a call that like you know it's it's called helping the the, the weak or whatever. It's kind of the thread that beats through the game. And you go out to like this town, this derelict town, and you find her in a house. And the area's been fucking destroyed by rippers and freakers, and she's all alone. She's lost her family. She can't like she's so scared. And you basically bring her to this camp and you help rehabilitate her. And it's like those little those little person to person moments that like make the game so special and following her journey and not only following her journey, but the characters in the camp, Deacon, Boozer, all of them. It's just like, it's so compelling to watch the way they flesh it out. There's, there's a growth to these characters and I'm not not saying like a crazy growth. A lot of it's really subtle Mm -hmm. and it's simple things where it's just like Boozman loses his arm and some of your actual gameplay missions Mm -hmm. revolve around giving him purpose. Yeah, exactly. You know, and like, that's like the overarching mission and it's just like the little ways that you get there. It's like, hey, Mm -hmm. I want to gather some parts to build him a new prosthetic arm or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, hey, I... They, they give him a truck at a certain point. Yeah. And they're like, hey, we have an attachment for your arm where you can actually shift the gears. And he loves it. It's his favorite thing in the whole world. He gets to drive again. And you get him a puppy at one point. And you're just like, it's those little things where it's just like, you could totally just be like the anarchist and give up in the face of it all and mm-hmm. just be like, fuck it. Nothing matters anymore. Or it's about finding those little pockets of humanity and purpose that bring us back up again. Mm-hmm. Days Gone has some cliches. It has... It's a mess of mechanics in certain aspects of the game. It gets a lot better mm-hmm. uh, once you start upgrading your bike and upgrading Deacon for his endurance and his stamina and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Especially like later when you need those skill sets to be able to take down hordes or bigger like enemy types. Yeah, like you need those upgrades. Right, and so when those like when that stops becoming like you know. I guess, like, a problem for you, like, where you're worrying about your bike, like, you know, running out of gas and stuff, like, you really start honing in on the story a lot more and just going, like, oh, shit, that was a really cool moment, Mm -hmm. or that was an interesting interaction, or that was a hard interaction that shows you who he is. There's a few moments where Deke makes a really hard choice, and even characters around him that are, like, badasses are just like, wow, you can do that? Mm -hmm. Like, there's one point where, um... The these fucking rippers are going around just shooting dogs in a town that mm-hmm. were like like surviving, just shooting him down for no fucking reason. And Boozer finds one of these dogs and just like he's he's like, look, he's suffering. Mm-hmm. And Deke is like, no, 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 no. Like he kind of like eases him, takes a knife, and slowly like you know eases him to death mm-hmm. essentially. And it's one of those things where it's like, fuck, dude. Like you're, could you even say like you know. Is it one of those things where he's totally acclimated to his situation now? Where he's like, this is what it is now? Because mm-hmm. you could see that it's like he's making that choice, but there's something in Deke where he's like, this hurts. This hurts to do, but I got to do it. You know? I, yeah, I think a lot of the decisions he makes like that, he's torn about, but a lot of it comes from mercy. I mean, somebody, there's another instance. Like, what they the- almost build up to that moment, right? They build up, they start with the dog, and then another scene is like, there's a woman who has her legs fucking broken. There's mm-hmm. no way she's going to get away from a horde. And so Deke is just like, sorry, and puts well, her down. There's right? even a one, like, in the last act. I forget the dude's name, but like, um,. Ooh, 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 ooh. Is is it the the ska the fan? Badfish, yeah, yeah, Badfish, the Badfish kid. Where like he has it's like a, Trevor or something, right? Yeah, something with a T. Where he has a Taylor. Dr- Taylor, he has a drug problem. Yep. And he makes fun of you and your name, and you have some like kind of like funny endearing moments with yeah, him yeah. early on. But like you find that he ends up going to like a ambush first of all, camp one of the some... most realistic Portland performances I've ever seen. Yeah. out of somebody. But like you find out that he has um, stolen some drugs and has been with a marauder camp, and he's basically like high on heroin and you find him and 
the general, uh, I forget his name. Oh, what is his fucking name? Big Bad General. Big Bad General? Yeah. Matt? Ma- yeah, that's not his name. Well, his name is Matt. Is it? Mm-hmm. I don't remember that. You remember how... Well, spoilers. Sarah! Sarah's alive. Mm. Uh, Sarah just keeps on going, like, Matt. And like, <laughs> two women in conversations. Okay. You talk about the eva- evangelical... I'm talking... Yeah, the, the guy, guy running the camp, the colonel. His first name's Matt. Yeah. Okay. I forget what his last name Interesting. is. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, But, yeah. like, there's a scene where it's like, if we bring him back to the camp, the colonel's gonna hang him. Mm-hmm. So, instead of, like, doing that and doing this whole process, like, he basically was like, hey, I'll leave you here, but I'm gonna help you overdose and you're just gonna die here. Yeah. Like, I'd rather you die here on your terms than have to hang because he's like, I don't want to hang in front of those people. I don't want to die that sort of death. Yeah, he was talking about, like, I'm going to fucking piss and shit myself for yeah. my buddy and fucking strangle. And he's like, yeah, no, no, that's a good point. Yeah. That's going to happen to you. And he just gives him that moment of mercy. He's like, yeah. you know what? I'd rather you die here on your own terms than have to go out that way. There's so. there's hard choices, interesting moments, and it's mm-hmm. all, like, spawned from this, this world. And I think and- it's interesting, too, that a lot of it isn't, like, choice-based. No. Like, a lot of it is just thread in the narrative and, like, the design of, like... exactly deacon's character arc or the interactions yeah yeah the game makes choices for you and i i think they're they're they're, i feel like when it comes to open world games there's two types two types of gamers there's the gamers that want like a blank slate of a character that Mm. they create from the ground up and make choices for your fallout skyrim kind of situation and then there's others that want a witcher they want a Geralt. They mm-hmm. want a lead that they can follow and watch their story unravel. I'm more of that kind of gamer. Tell me, me a story too. about my character. Because you I know? think those those blank slate games can often feel like kind of meandering. And it's like, yeah, I can put myself into that role and I can create like whatever sort of like race or Khajiit or elf I want in Skyrim. But it's like I feel detached from it. Exactly. Like I, seeing a character go through me. an entire yeah. arc, redemption, hope, loss, like all the stuff and like really feel that like progress. It's like you... You grow attached to him. You feel the journey in a different way. And that's the thing about Deacon St. John and Sam Whitworth's performance. While I don't appreciate yeah, I a lot of the mumble core that he's got going on, like, <laughs> yeah, 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 all these goddamn rapists and murderers. Like, he does it the whole game. It's way too much. Mm-hmm. But in the actual cutscenes and the actual interactions, I relate to my dude a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, he is pretty confident Sarah's dead. Mm-hmm. But you could tell he's just like, but what if she isn't? Mm-hmm. Like, that's in the back of his mind at all times. And honestly, that what if is the only thing keeping him going mm-hmm. that we talked about before. Sometimes that's what keeps us going. Like, what keeps people going. It's so, like, ingrained in the human condition. Like, that little bit of hope or that whatever what that if. keeps that what you if. Against forward. all odds, right? Yeah. Everything's telling him that Sarah's dead. His wife is dead. She died pretty much when the outbreak mm-hmm. hit. And yet he gets some knowledge that maybe she... Well, first of all, he knows for a fact she survived past the night that he thinks she died. Mm -hmm. And that's enough, right? Mm -hmm. That's enough to be like, I need to go see. I need to go verify. And I relate to that so much. The Just that that hopeless fucking feeling. But it's like, I need to know until I'm absolutely sure it's totally burnt to the ground. Yeah gone well he's not even like in the dark about it too he has somebody who works for nero who knew her the mm-hmm. night like she got taken in like o'brien yeah, yeah who you know he's like this military medical type and he's like yeah like i'll help you find her and kind of like leads him on and like builds him up in like the kind of way that feeds into it you know not necessarily confirming one way or another but he's like i'll help you get the information you need i'll help you find her yeah <laughs> and it's, it's it's a breadcrumb kind of situation yeah. you're like where is this gonna go he's annoyed most of the time that he's working with o'brien yeah. and then it leads to something and so this is another thing that i want to point out this is what got me to go all the way to the platinum and it's something that uh our friend of the show chelsea talked about as well so the first like 10 to 15 hours are kind of the same thing your first areas and this is what bucked me off this is like the make or break period Mm -hmm. this is what i have a problem with like some games like red dead and you know assassin's creed take a while to build up to the meat 
and potatoes of the situation. They'll give you fucking like broccoli and be like, you're not, what's going on? Yeah. You're not, you're not satisfied? Not what's, what's happening here? And like a lot of those kind of wrote to me where it was like, yeah, it's just kind of meandering open world. I'm doing a lot of looting of the same shit. I'm mm-hmm. not really like feeling the systems and he just won't stop mumbling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then you go to a second area in the game. You go to the south part of the map, mm-hmm. right? Snowier environments, mm-hmm. much more like varied kind of um what's the word for it? terrain and such yeah. and a really really cool interesting fort uh, owned by the militia mm-hmm. and honestly the game for me got 10 times better right there hmm. it was i love the second half of that game so much more than the first half to the point where i was just like this should be the entire game it was so, it was so good the yeah. story fucking kicks right there like it's it just like every story mission is like this is yeah good. well and they're all great. varied too awesome. it's not like you're not doing the same like fucking ambush camps or marauder no. camps or taking out rippers like you're doing very diverse interesting narrative missions and, as well but i think for me that starts with lost lake mm. like when you meet like iron mike and ricky i feel like you're doing a lot of interesting stuff for the camp i wish the game started at lost lake honestly. yeah yeah that makes sense because that could have been your build-up like work, working for the other like bandit camps and mm-hmm. shit like that was just kind of like oh, this is dumb but it played into the character really well yeah. right because he's doing bounties and shit just for the fuck of it for surviving but the whole point mm-hmm. of the game is surviving isn't living right there's even like a, a story called that yeah like a story beat called that that's the whole fucking thing right that's where i got it from uh yeah, and good. you get to a certain point where you, deke realizes that and the story progresses in that direction too and it's not about like solving the outbreak like all good zombie stories mm-hmm. the zombies barely matter right it's the people mm-hmm. it's the people that matter and the game kind of reminds itself of that because it tries to bog you down with like freaker lore and all this shit and what's going on. And then it just kind of goes like, that's not the through line. Mm-hmm. Sarah and Deke are the through line for this fucking story. Well, even with with that, like when you reunite with Sarah at the, Which I loved how they did, by the way. It was so cool. Like I knew it was going to happen all along. And it, it, it got me still. It got me for a little bit because when they reunite, it's like he knew her but like she it almost seemed like she didn't recognize her and i'm like oh what happened or did she have like a lobotomy is she just playing the part because she knows how this camp operates and she has to play dumb and then like when the tent clears out and it's just the two of them and they get to reunite in their own fashion or even across like the few missions they do it's like yeah no she's she knows that he's he's there and you know she's she's still in love with him and all that stuff but she spent so much of that time where, you know, he's been looking for her. She's been surviving and, and trying to cure society as a whole. And it like her mission, like is so cool. And the way he kind of tacks himself onto it and he's like, you know what? Like, I'm going to help you. And that's one of the most interesting <laughs> things, right? Especially when it comes to a, uh, a female character, a female written character. She, so she has her own motivation that has nothing to do with Deke. Mm-hmm. That is actually really rare. Like, you don't pass the test, like, in some fiction. Like, I, I forget what it's called, but it's basically like, okay, is there a female character? Mm-hmm. Is she either a lead character or yeah. this, a supporting character? Does her world revolve around the male character? No. It's funny, too, because, like, no you game. almost, in a lot of those cases, like, oh, they use female characters as plot devices. And for, like, the first half of the game, you think that, like, she's just a plot device to, yeah. get, to get Deacon from point A to point B to point C and so on. Deacon but, speaking. Yeah, Deacon speaking, rather. But you find out she's more than that. You find out that she's, like, you know, MJ from Spider-Man or Freya from God of War, where she is this strong, independent person with her own purposes. And she's complementary to the main character, not somebody who uses, like, a a tool you know and I, I think that's really interesting too is that the story forces deacon to actually reconcile his his ideal vision mm-hmm. of sarah as his wife his lover mm-hmm. pre-apocalypse and who she is now she's capable mm-hmm. she makes hard choices and she's not afraid to kill a person mm-hmm. especially not in front of him that and was that, such a moment that too. was such i don't even like, want to talk about that moment because like you need to experience that moment as a player get to it just watching her shake oh my god it was fucking nuts but like it was just like you have you 
feel like Deacon where you're like, oh, because like all you're given in drip fed is like, you know, they're the time when they met mm. and like them going on motorcycle rides and like and them proposing. courting each other. Yeah. And then you go to this hard juxtaposition where it's just like, yeah, our relationship is secondary to my work. What there, I'm doing. There's also like, I mean, it charts your progress the entire time. 700 something days gone. 800 something days gone. There's over two years between them knowing each other before the outbreak and where they are now. So it's yeah. like, they're different people. They're on different paths. Right. And I think it's cool that they were able to come back together and like find purpose together. In a very different context yeah. too. Like they almost don't recognize each other and how they do and yeah. what they act. And that's such an interesting thing for a fucking big budget video game to tackle. And it's so unfortunate that it's buried at the second half of this game mm-hmm. where a lot of people are not going to get to it. They're not going to see some of the most interesting parts of that game mm-hmm. where this shit went from not on my radar to being one of my favorite games of the year. Mm-hmm because of how they handle the second half of this game it's fascinating too because like so many times you're like oh if a game's not for you don't finish it and like it is a shame to think that people are gonna not finish this that this game just for that reason alone i I mean you didn't dig on the gameplay you didn't dig on the motorcycle mechanics you didn't dig on like the roteness of it it, but like it grew on me it it, it grew on me. but then some people like me like i found it fun like i thought the gameplay was just fine i actually really liked getting out there and stealth killing people and you know getting into combat like little spats here and there and taking on freakers and I knew, I knew there was a silver lining. I knew it was building up to something. Because, like, they tease Sarah. They tease Hordes. They tease all the stuff that's like, you'll get there eventually. You just have to tough it out. Yeah, and, and that's, that's the unfortunate that's thing, right? big thing to ask of your player. Like, tough it out for 40 hours. But, like, I felt dedicated because I'm a Sony Mark, you know? I don't, I've never played anything by Sony Ben, but I trust out the mark. in Sony's caliber <laughs> of work with their, you know, first party stuff. Mm, you know? It's true. I mean, Sony... They're impact makers. They are. <laughs> Style makers yeah. of what it is. <laughs> my, my thing with it, like, I love the last act. I love the buildup. But I feel like the game kind of comes to a simmering, fizzling nothing for me towards the end. And I think that's a lot of the problem with open world games. Where yeah. it's like there's that promise of like, okay, we defeated the big bad or this thing that's most immediately in front of us. And now we just keep living. And you're back out in the open world and you're still doing the same stuff. And, you know, at that point, like, you're in the post game. So you get a few, like, missions here and there. But it's just, like, it doesn't feel like a resolute ending in the way that, like, a main narrative game would feel, you know? Yeah, no, it, it almost, like, felt like any kind of change that are, happens in the game. Yeah. Like, you know, obviously, like, things come to a head with the situation that you, Sarah, Sarah and a few other characters mm-hmm. are in. But it's, like, eh, it doesn't feel like this big kind of this is the end of Mm. days gone part one you know it's just kind of like oh there could be more down the way Mm -hmm. you know like it was one of those things where you got to wonder it's like did the story kind of fizzle out in the ending because they're teeing up for a sequel which we do get a little teaser Mm. about or did they go like hey we could do single player dlc maybe that's what we should say for that like you you don't know what's going through like i really have to wonder what that was but it was one of those things where like i agree with you the ending didn't have that impact maker status no you, you know? have this awesome climax where it's like you're coming to a head with the militia camp and fucking like sarah's like we gotta go i gotta cure the whole freaker outbreak and all this stuff and like there's conflict resolution in a capacity but like half of what you think is gonna happen doesn't happen <laughs> you know and there's like one big thread that i thought was like the lead up to the game that's totally dropped yeah totally dropped uh closing off the caves 
Yeah. What the fuck happened to that? Mm. That died with Iron Mike. That was a great idea, dude. It was just like, yo, you want to stop these freakers? They seem to go to caves every mm-hmm. time. Let's fucking close down these caves. And then it turns into like, hey, remember that cool idea? We got to worry about rippers. Yeah, we got to. They're the real problem. The treaty being we broken. Gotta, that's the real problem. The treaty's not standing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the problem. The oh, treaty's you, going to stand. You know, your definitely dead wife. I think she definitely might not be dead. <laughs> you know, like it, it starts turning into yeah. these other things, and it's like, oh, okay. Well, there wasn't enough time on this one. We'll get mm-hmm. back to that in Days Gone too. And I, I definitely like. I wasn't expecting there to be a build up to a sequel. Like one of the three like post credit zingers. Like they're all pretty cool in their own respect, but one of them is like this huge like holy shit. Like they're building up to a a bigger universe a bigger story with the second one yeah <laughs> i don't know if i care yeah i don't know if i care about that reveal i was just like oh okay mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know because that's not what i took away from days gone that really resonated yeah. with me right you, you know? don't want to see more of like booze man and ricky and sarah and deacon all surviving no, i together? do want to see that yeah I don't care about whatever fucking, like, <laughs> Marvel Universe bullshit that they're trying to set up. Like, freakers can be people, too. Like, yeah. fuck you with your bullshit. I was like, whatever, dude. Yeah. He just looks like the asshole from uh, Blade 2. Oh, my God. You remember the ones with the <laughs> vagina mouths that open up? He doesn't do a vagina mouth thing, no. so he's just, he's just like a guy. Yeah, he's just bald and gray, <laughs> and he a looks like a... guy. And he can jump 20 feet in the air. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was a cool reveal, but, like, it, it wasn't what I was expecting. It's not like, what I wanted. I was like, no, you didn't really deal with what the freakers are now, and you're already trying to throw this other yeah. loop at me? No. But I don't know. T- to that point, I do I do like a lot of the lore bits. Like, this game does a great job at world building and doses, whether it's, like, through conversations with the people at camps or through cutscenes or, like, the neuro recorders you find. It fleshes out the world in a way that, like, is kind of, like, awesome. And it's like, dude, I would actually like to, like, read a novelization of what happened in this world because it's, like it's compelling shit you know it's on the mm-hmm. level of resident evil or fucking the walking dead or like 28 days later you know yeah it's a really thought out apocalypse and I, that's what i really like about mm-hmm. that game it really thinks through situations it thinks through and because you pick up at a certain time frame even when you meet characters like iron mike and go like hey you know so there's a thing that happened to us at the start of all this mm-hmm. and that's an interesting like discussion that you have too and you see kind of like pockets of it where it's like oh so this is how you guys came to your treaty. Yeah. This is fucked up. It's always interesting, too, because you get those conversations, and then you get, like, supplemental collectibles for characters, and you find out who Iron Mike was even before all of that. You're like, yeah. oh, he had a wife. Oh, this is what he was like. And that shit's so cool. And, like, I don't know. It's touching in, in a really what, uh, cool way. You remind me of my Elizabeth. <laughs> um, talk to me post-game real quick. Post-game? Yeah. What do you want to know about post-game? How does it feel to finally take out fucking hordes, man? Oh, dude, it's one of those things when you when you run into your first horde, it is and feels impossible. Like, it's just like, there's no way. I get run down in three seconds. I don't understand mm-hmm. what the fuck the game wants me to do. I don't even know how I can grow my character to the point where that happens. Mm-hmm. But it does. It does. You you unlock a few story missions that go like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna work on this fucking super napalm thing yeah. that's gonna really be a difference maker. And then you unlock um, certain guns that are just like like some machine guns, like more rapid fire things that are good for like crowd control. I I had this one assault rifle that um, had a constant silencer on it. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite gun. Because the like, cowboy? No, well actually, the cowboy, which is their repeater rifle is my favorite gun. My mm-hmm. second favorite gun for utility purposes okay. is the one with the built-in silencer. Because okay. otherwise you have to attach one on there that breaks after like a certain amount of uses. No, this thing has the muzzle is a silencer. Okay. I'm just like, what? 
nuts and you just i go in the cage just mowing motherfuckers down and not alerting other fuckers it's great it's so good i think like the crazy thing about the hordes too is like the scale of them like you could come across some that are like 50 to 100 Mm -hmm. like the smaller ones in the caves are cool because like you'll be like all right cool it's daytime they're sleeping in there and like you'll come across them it's all dark they're feeding or sleeping and you fucking shine a light and like the cave just comes alive yeah and that's really cool but then you have the bigger scale ones like one of my favorites is it's like a late stage like one of the last missions you do it's at the sawmill where Mm -hmm. you take on what is almost like 500 of them and you have to rope them through like uh like a little nero camp checkpoint and like through different parts of it where you can fucking like cordon them off and like throw down napalm or shoot like fucking giant butane tanks to like set out like ton of them at a time and it's just like you have to really think about it and you can't do that shit early on because like well you have to have the stamina for it yep like, that's a big factor like you you run out of stamina so quickly you know? way quickly to the point where like i later in the game like you can manage it better you can also have the little booster where mm-hmm. it goes like hey i ran out take a booster yep. it's back up yeah there, there's so many things that just advance you as as a player in the game where it's like oh shit this impossible task has mm-hmm. become possible but just barely and that's what makes it fun you barely get away out of those encounters and if you make a wrong move you're fucking yeah you're swarmed (laughs) but when you start learning to use the environment going like let me jump over a truck because it's going to be a little bit harder for them to scale that shit Mm -hmm. or let me let me actually funnel them down this corridor where i just stop just put a little pipe bomb in there yeah and boom it's like fucking 20 or like using the attractors where you can throw down like a noise device and like they'll all swarm on it you're like yeah just throw a grenade on them and kill like maybe 50 well my favorite thing is to throw the fucking noise device at a fucking like gas canister and be like all right guys (laughs) eat up you know that shit's cool and i love that the the horde has a health bar Mm -hmm. rather than they treat it like a boss basically they do which is really kind of a cool concept because it gives you a tracker of like oh shit okay yeah Mm -hmm. I, i see that i'm gonna take down these motherfuckers in maybe 50 more yeah when yeah. you're doing it initially like when the game throws it at you and you're totally not ready for it you're like how many of these do i have to take out but yeah. like late late stage when they give you the first one after you get the napalm you're like oh okay this seems a little more manageable yeah. and it is like they're not unmanageable you just have to make sure you go in with like enough ammo and resources and you can take them on right and my, it's a lot of fun my favorite thing is when you're like coming over the crest of a hill riding through not thinking about it mm-hmm. And as soon as you get to the top, you just see a field of the motherfuckers right in front of you. And they hear you immediately. You're just like, what do I do? Do I lead them with my bike? (laughs) Do I circle around them? What I do, Daniel, is I get off of my bike. I don't need my bike for that situation. No, I don't use my bike for hordes. I see a horde. I get off my fucking bike. It is just a distraction. I only need to place it there because I have a little fucking ammo canister on there. Mm-hmm. A little knapsack that for you refilling. can upgrade. Yeah. Refill your ammo. That is my resource. That's my lifeblood. <laughs> and I just go out there and I go, hey, let me mix it up. Throw a few fucking warning napalms to really just <laughs> mix it up there. And then you start to lead them around whatever field. Mm-hmm. And hopefully there's some fucking like explosives laying on the ground red barrels Mm -hmm. they don't make them red in real life (laughs) you know and just fucking start to whittle that bitch down it's awesome like post game you open up 40 hordes and you end up doing them as like kind of like trust things for the camp so you can build up your trust to the maximum i got halfway an upgrade and like you find yourself wanting to take them all out even after the platinum i'm like i want to keep doing this because like the environments you find them in are really cool the caves are cool to explore i know i almost wish there was a plat for the hordes yeah, I do too. I wish there was. Because like, that's you, the truest test of, of a Days Gone player. Taking maybe, out every horde. Maybe taking out like 20, you know? Like, you only get a trophy for taking out the one. 
No, I, I don't think uh, if you can't do all <laughs> hordes, scratch your disc. <laughs> you don't deserve that platinum. <laughs> you don't deserve that platinum. Yeah. The, the, the PlayStation recognizes your weakness and just scratches <laughs> your disc. <laughs> Shuhei and fucking Sean come in and they actually revoke uh, your PlayStation. Fuck, dude. I, I love the hordes. I actually got a taste of like taking them down ahead of time because there's like survival modes and like free DLC items that they've been doing in terms of like survival or horde challenges. I tried some of the challenges. They're, They're tough. Some of them are tough. One of them's crazy taxi. What the fuck? (laughs) One of them, like, it's the only instance that you get to drive something that's not a Harley Davidson. It's a fucking golf cart. And you're riding around picking up customers and dropping them off. Oh, I actually haven't fucking played that one. That's crazy taxi, dude. Oh, shit. That's the crazy taxi one I'm talking about. No, you said that to me. I was like, which one are you talking about? I was like, oh, when you drive your bike through the rings and... No. No, you literally drive a golf cart around... And you pick up customers, and you have to get them to their destination awesome. quickly, and they have a happiness meter. That's Crazy Taxi. <laughs> no, that's all it is. Exactly Crazy Taxi. Without the offspring or any cool jams. No, and you get like extra time bonuses by running over freakers. Okay. It's great. Hmm. I actually had a lot of fun with that one. I got like, pretty far. I like the kind of free support they've been tacking on. It's kind of neat. It gives the game more legs than it already has, like in an 80-hour experience, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it's so. true. If you just need a little bit more days gone, that, that's what it is there. Yeah. I, I think it would be awesome if they did added some more story stuff, but the game's already so meaty and yeah. so stuffed, I, I don't think it's necessary. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would submit it is probably not necessary. What if they did like an expansion like uh, that brings in like two more camps and maybe like a bunch more story? Listen, like, like I, a thirty forty dollar expansion, much like Lost Legacy or like Frozen Wildlands. I would be so into it. Yeah. I would pick it up, or even say like, "Hey, here's an expansion. The day's gone with a different character." Okay, you know, like here's a different star, yeah. different situation, what have you? Right? I, I'd be fine with that. Like survivor stories within that world, or Sarah, the Lost Years. That would be really cool. Yeah. Fuck, that would be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that would be like what they did with um, Ellie in The Last of Us, where they did the Left Behind DLC. Oh, yeah, And yeah, it's like, yeah. here, who who she was with uh, Riley, you know, before she met Joel. That's what I'm saying, Fuck, dog. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Give me give me Sarah the Lost Years. Damn. Although that DLC would be a spoiler. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, well. I mean, at that point, you're not playing the DLC if you haven't beat the main game. So, like, why? Who plays DLC without playing the main game? Hang on. Idiots. Um, yes. I'm trying to think of people who've just only played like Far Cry Blood Dragon. Oh, shit like yeah. that. Shit like that happens. Or New Dawn. Yeah. Okay. You think people play Wolfenstein Youngblood before part two? Maybe. That's a foolish thing to do. I Maybe people who don't know better. Maybe like a parent buys their kid a game like, oh, they wanted this Wolfenstein, not knowing which one it actually is. I want to I wanna curb the Nazism out of you, so I got you this Wolfenstein, <laughs> Billy. You shave your head too short. You're always in here. Watching Dave Rubin. I don't understand yeah. you. You're always talking about understand. Minecraft. I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> you think you think the wage gap is a lie, Billy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what picture we're painting. I don't know there. either. I don't know. <laughs> but Days Gone, I will say, six months out, it surprised the fuck out of me. And it's awesome to think that, like, you know, for a game that wasn't even on our radar, it's on my game of the year list. Like, yeah, dude. Like, hands down yeah dude i don't know how this happened yeah. i do not know this happened i just went back to it because i was like it's a goddamn shame there's a sony exclusive sitting out there mm. in my collection that i have not seen end to end and i'm very glad i did yeah i'm, I'm too i hope there's a, a come around on days gone i think people were hard on it when it first came out good reason a lot of bugginess a lot mm-hmm. of problems here in the first 10 hours definitely mm-hmm. not a good showing of what that game actually is 
God, that's a tough thing. I hope they think about that if they ever do a sequel. Mm. Or if they get the chance to do a sequel. I think Sony Ben has gotten a lot of feedback and they've done a lot of around the clock like QAing and resolution and making the game like as good as they can make it with patches and updates and like my hat's off to them because I know that's a lot of hard work, especially when you put out a game thinking it's finished or it like in its finite state. But like that's the thing with games now. Like it's this isn't nineteen ninety nine. A game doesn't release and that's it, you know? Yeah. It requires constant patching and updates and all that. So Yeah. There's some opinions about that. I know, I know, I know, I know. This is not the forum. We don't talk about video games. No. And we're running long in the tooth anyway. (laughs) Running long in the tooth. It's been fucking 862 days gone since we sat down with this one. Well, we're going to have a post-PAX episode, but we're not going to be able to record this weekend. Because we're going to be at PAX. Yeah, maybe we'll like rehash our experiences uh, about PAX on that that live episode we're doing. Mmm. Mmm. We'll see how that goes. We'll see what the shake. Where are we gonna do? Are we gonna do that on your Twitch? Sure. Okay. Cool. You have more followers. Want to do it on yours? What do you? I mean, I'll host it. Oh. Yeah, and then we'll we'll promote it on the Twitter. Okay. We're gonna get it because it sounds like you need OBS powers to make this happen. Exactly. And I don't have that. Okay. I'm not the fucking wizard of Twitch. Because it's gonna be a fucking save room variety show. Yeah. It's gonna be wacky. Thank you very much. We're gonna watch some crazy videos. We're gonna fucking like play some video games. We're gonna dance. We're gonna drink. Maybe I can finally get Kevin to fucking play Detroit. (laughs) Do some MSTK 3000. Oh, dude. (laughs) On the offset. I can see why that would be a fun idea, mm-hmm. but god damn, do I not want to play a David Cage game? Holy I know, shit! I know, I know. Everything like... in my body, <laughs> dude. Man of Medan comes out Friday. Ooh, yeah. I'd rather play that. I'd rather play okay. that. We'll we'll play that instead. That'll there's actually there's a there's a co op like share feature. With yeah, it. you could share your fucking controller for like different scenes and shit. We should do that. Okay, it's a better idea. It's a great idea. We have good ideas sometimes. Sometimes you on know, the second try. You know, a good idea though let's wrap this up oh, okay it's gone day's gone <laughs> day's gone Deke? Deke? De- oh wait no I am Deke I, I am Deke <laughs> Boozman <laughs> dying right now worry Boozman Boozer Boozer we gotta there's, there's freaks everywhere oh god oh you can sink them oh you can smell them oh my god Kevin's really been in the shit lately he played that game for two weeks straight in the shit <laughs> Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate your support and following us and giving us all those good, good listens. Like you said before, follow us on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever. Give our Twitches a follow. Hit us up at Save Room Show on Twitter. Give us some love. Save Room Show. And uh, we'll see you beautiful people at PAX this weekend. We will. Say hello. Yeah, because this episode will be up by then, so. Cool. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure on myself. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Oh, well, it's only three days. We'll see what happens. All right. Good night. Good night. Thanks for all the fish.